fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And we are... I, what are we I, doing tonight, Nelson? We, we're, we are apparently going to talk about Twilight Imperium. I'm yeah, having like yeah. massive deja vu right now. I, I feel like we already recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> so... We've had some we we've had some fun trying to get this episode recorded. We have. So this this is the three peat. This is third it time's has, the charm. It has been a journey to get here tonight, guys. <laughs> because last time or two times ago, our we got we got like all the way through mm-hmm. almost like to the We were to the topic. To the topic, and my computer decided to shut down and not save anything. Yep. So that that was very sad. We R. I. P. we packed up and cried ourselves to sleep. Uh-huh. And then I came up again to record it, and there was just some scheduling stuff, and we weren't yeah. able to record. And so now we're recording, <laughs> and I am really excited to learn about Twilight Imperium. Yes, again, <laughs> <laughs> it has allowed me additional time to uh, to prepare. So there's quite a bit of content to get through in the topic tonight. Great, I'm excited. I'm excited. So For sure. since there's a lot, let's go ahead. Let's quickly hop into our flight. So. Yeah. I brought you a beer. You brought me a whiskey. Do you you brought me a hell of a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with that. As you said, it is uh, stronger than a few wines that you yes. had. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I brought you Founders CBS, which stands for Canadian Breakfast Stout. Yeah. And so I actually didn't realize. I, I just went through like a pick six. Mm-hmm. And apparently this is kind of a hard beer to find. So yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the Founders like uh, barrel series, barrel aged series. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's Asian or bourbon barrel, which I that's mm-hmm. kind of the reason I picked it up because I'm like, oh, cool, we we right. can connect on this. Yeah. But it's a uh, it's aged in a bourbon barrel that specifically was previously holding maple syrup or yeah. aging maple syrup. Yeah. And so which is crazy. Like they'll use <laughs> just for like background, they will often use little like five gallon or whatever size barrels that <laughs> are used for like select bourbons. They will uh, barrel maple syrup in it. Um, so they can sell like, you know, yeah, bourbon barrel maple syrup. Like that's a great selling point. You know, they're not going to use the big like fifty five gallon huge <laughs> ones for maple lot. syrup. That's a lot of syrup. It's a lot of maple <laughs> syrup, right? So, so this is now this barrel's third use. <laughs> it was bottled in beer last. Yeah. So yeah, with that, you're gonna get some, or you're you're going to supposed to get some taste of what you've had before. So you should be getting some maple syrup. It's a very dark beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you should be getting some maple syrup, and maybe that's contributing to the color. It's an imperial stout, mm-hmm. so that's also yeah. contributing to the color. On the SRM scale, you're at like a 40 plus, yeah, right? Yeah, like, breaking the scale. Yeah, it is black. Like it, it looks like a black hole. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, if I had to describe the color, it would not have any sense of the word brown in in it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But it, you should be getting some maple syrup uh, mm-hmm. flavors, roasted coffee, and chocolate. Yeah. So. Uh, it's 11.7 APV. I know. I'm having to like every, I like, oh, wow, that tastes really good. Let's have another sip. And I'm like, wait. More. <laughs> yeah. So it should be a pretty hefty one. And one that I'm glad that we're drinking now and not in June. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where it's still like a little chilly out. Founders describes this as transcendental, which I think is a little ostentatious. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's transcendental? <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know what that word means in this context. Like, I don't know how that would. I, I don't think, know what that tastes like. <laughs> I, I think that's like across the continent. No, that's transcontinental. That's transcontinental. <laughs> um, I think that. Well, I guess we'll start out. This is absolutely a four cheers beer. This, this oh, beer good. is fantastic, and. It goes through like very distinct flavors, which is really cool. Like it does not, to me anyway, taste like uh, those those three flavors that you mentioned of like maple syrup and chocolate and coffee. It doesn't taste like all three of those 
together. It tastes like maple syrup, and then it tastes like coffee, and then it tastes like dark chocolate. Oh, very interesting. Which is, yeah, to yeah. me, that is really cool. That's it, impressive. First of all, it just has like a long flavor profile for a beer. You know, it's like I taste it, and that's actually one of the reasons I'm trying not to sip it so fast is because I, I taste it, and like probably 20 seconds later, like the dark chocolate is like starting to fade. And it's like a little bit alcoholic very at the cool. end, you know, just a touch because it's like, I mean, but not eleven point seven. Not yeah, like <laughs> way less of an alcohol taste than it should have. Oh wow, sure. okay, cool. So yeah, then I, I I don't know those things like stouts are usually very straightforward in their tastes, um, and so this one it's fun to have one that is like a little bit more complex. You know, that's going through kind of these different flavor profiles over, like I said, over like twenty seconds of a sip, and like, that's that's pretty rewarding for a beer. Oh, that's that yeah, that's awesome. It yep. it looks it sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, so uh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate yeah, of course. Yeah, if I find more, I'll pick one up especially because it's a four cheers yeah so. absolutely absolutely so, i will as well but you know like you said this I, it might be hard to find so. <laughs> but so i i was on untapped i was looking it up on untapped and i think the the best i, I found the best review um mm-hmm. I, I think ever that i've ever read i'm just gonna read it out so it's from brandon s um so okay uh, shout out to Brandon S. If you're listening, uh, <laughs> by the way, hi. I don't know how we found you. This is, I'm just so I'm so happy to meet, meet yeah. you finally. But he said, I think he said it best with his five star rating, and it says, "quote Yep." <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, dis- that that sounds like what you're describing. <laughs> how, how many had he had when he wrote that? <laughs> Half of one. Half of one, probably. That sounds about right. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. What am I drinking? For sure. So, yes, you are drinking um, Clayton Distilleries, uh, and they call this their New York Straight Bourbon Whiskey. The um, tiny little bottle. Yeah, it's a little itty bit. It's a half bottle. It's like a 375 milliliter bottle. And we had talked about recently, we talked about the difference between small batch and single barrel versus just like your general. Yep. Um, and so this is a single barrel whiskey. That's one of the reasons I wanted you to try it tonight. Oh, okay, cool. So we, we talked about previously how like a single barrel is sort of like the master distiller's kind of like artisanal expression, right? They have a lot of, because they are only aging in this one barrel, it's going to have a uniform flavor profile. I'm like really struggling to say that. Flavor <laughs> profile. Um, but it's going to have like, it's going to have variance between like even, you know, batches. Uh, so on the side here, it says like barrel number three, right? Batch number whatever. And... And it can have like a little bit of that variance, but the distillers are generally trying to adjust the barrels up and down in the warehouse, right, to kind of get something very specific. Is this this is the one where they're like moving the where it is like right. the altitude? Not I guess altitude is not a great word. It is for technically it. correct. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> technically correct. They're moving it higher or lower to get the different yes. temperatures and everything. Oh, that's that's cool. right because it'll be warmer at the top of the warehouse. And yeah. Warmer temperatures will generally you know cause the pores of the barrel to open, and so more like liquid can get in, and colder temperatures force it out. You know, and so that cycling in and out is where it picks up like the vanilla and all the like you know those sweet and oaky flavors that you expect from bourbon Um, awesome it also has like uh it has a bit of a different mash it has some barley in it and so you might pick up some of like what you would taste from an unpeated like scotch or even from uh from like an irish whiskey it's just like it's just a little different it's not like better or worse you know yeah yeah no i (laughs) yeah i think you described it well right (laughs) it it doesn't taste like a bourbon right right It, it Kind of tastes like a scotch-ish, mm-hmm. but not a scotch, right. right? Right. It's a it's it's a mix. It's almost like they blended the two. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think it has like a bit of like a bit of smokiness that's coming from the barrel, which is like you would expect in like a bourbon versus a scotch. Um. And it has like some almost like a dark fruit skin type of 
like a tannin, like that little bit of like a bitterness that you get from like fruit skin. Yeah, I was yeah, kind of picking okay. some of that up in it. Um, but that, that's kind of what I noticed. What do you I, what do you think of it? We I had we had this on the on the ski trip that we that we mm-hmm. went on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I, I had it then. I, I really enjoyed. It. I I really like this mm-hmm. bourbon. It is a bourbon, right? It is a bourbon. Okay, cool. Yeah, I really like this bourbon. Yeah. So, <laughs> cool. I I I podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you pay attention. <laughs> but what 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 I find unique about it is that it's relatively like very upfront with its taste. Mm. So like when when I when I taste it. I get a lot of the taste immediately, and then when I swallow it, there's really not a back end to it. Yeah, which yeah. I, I find kind of interesting. Which is nice; it doesn't burn, right? Right. <laughs> right. right. So, like, I'm, I'm not watering this down or anything like that. But it, it it's kind of interesting and different. And so, I'm not sure if that's kind of a uh, a plus. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it's just different. It's it's not a plus. It's not a minus. It's just different. Like, we're I'm not getting that wide flavor profile i'm getting yeah. that one specific flavor and they do it really well yeah so it, it's almost like a japanese whiskey in that sense like mm. they kind of like they have their target and they kind of nailed it <laughs> yeah 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 i think that's a good way to describe it i think some of those what you're describing is like the back end some of those like lingering flavors are generally subtler and will develop over time um so this is a this is actually a three-year age so it's a straight bourbon it, oh, but okay. it lists as three years yeah. right and i think it probably is maybe a little bit young i think it probably could use just a touch more aging i think i I wonder i don't know anything about clayton i wonder if they're kind of young the fact that they bottle in 375 tells me that they're trying to kind of like make stuff nice and get it out of the market right they're trying to just make their name you know and the three-year age statement kind of maybe backs that up a little bit so i think it's really good for its age you know like a three-year age and and tasting that well you know that good i think is a a real accomplishment i totally agree i uh going into like the cheers i would definitely give it like a three yeah like four because it's you know the small or distillery in new Mm -hmm. york right so it's going to be be kind of hard to find but i mean it may be a four cheers at that point right like <laughs> if i found it i would probably pick it up just because it you know it's kind of nice it's a cute little bottle yeah uh, <laughs> but like it it does have a very nice flavor awesome um and without without any burn so yeah, i'm glad to hear it yeah i it's a three slash of four cheers <laughs> depending on depending on my mood i guess <laughs> yeah yeah for sure awesome well like we said we have a lot to cover in the topic so let's let's uh let's keep moving here let's start with you because i feel like i'm always starting <laughs> on yeah, the sure. table section so yep. let's why don't you tell us what it, what's been on your table well okay so we we talked about this already like the two of us because you know we recorded this already but <laughs> <laughs> i do want to i do want to point it out that um i i have found a game that i love <laughs> i think that's maybe an understatement i've 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 spent a lot of time and an money to say that you love it. <laughs> I have a binder. Um, but, but okay. So I, uh, it's Marvel champions. Yes. So Marvel champions is a living card game from fantasy flight games, a living card game. I think we've kind of talked about in the deck building episode where it's more of a deck construction where you're building your deck before you start the game. And then throughout the game, you're going to be drawing cards from your pre-built deck and try and take on an adversary. Right. And, there, there are a lot of these out there. There's uh, Magic the Gathering is kind of similar. It's a collectible card game, but it, right. it's kind of yeah, the same Yeah, we call premise. it a trading card, card or game. Or trading card game. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the living card game, basically, the differentiation there is that you know what you are getting when you buy a pack. Right. You know exactly what cards there yeah. are. You're buying a box You're buying like a an box expansion, and yep. it comes with the same cards for everybody. Yep. So, so this game is a cooperative game where you take on the role of a superhero, and you're fighting... A, a bad guy yeah um yeah all so, marvel themed like you said yeah all marvel themed right now they've stuck kind of in the avengers realm so there's no mm-hmm. like x-men or anything but I, I i assume that that will be mm-hmm. a future release by the time this episode comes out the new guardians of the galaxy content may be out so i'm oh, super okay. excited about that um because I, I love me some groot yes <laughs> <laughs> 
but I I am slightly obsessed with this game. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I played my first game 13 days ago. Uh-huh. Um, hello, my name is Delson. <laughs> <laughs> so I played my first game 13 days ago, and since then I've played 31 games. Uh, <laughs> so it's a, it's a fairly quick game. I've played every single game except for one single player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played a game with you. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I was there for that. Yeah, so... Single player, it's, it's a great single player game. It takes only about 30 minutes, yeah. so it's really easy to knock out. And I'm just kind of playing through all the heroes that I have, and it's just been a ton of fun because, um, like, building the decks, constructing, kind of coming up mm-hmm. with, like, the thing that works to mm-hmm. beat the villain that you're going against. I just... Yeah, kind of solving that puzzle. Solving that bit. puzzle just makes my brain happy. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe it. The, it releases uh, the happy chemicals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So D20 Woodworking, one of our fellow board vengers, he he, uh, he also plays a lot of these um, uh, living card games. Yeah. His favorite I is... I think he plays a lot of solo games in he, general. He does play a lot of solo games. So he uh, his favorite is The Lord of the Rings, which is also published by Fantasy Flight. But he, he also really enjoys Marvel Champions. And he, he showed me and invited me to this Discord server, which is like the Marvel Champions Solo League. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so what, what this is, is every week they put out a new challenge where they tell you what hero or... Or mm-hmm. aspect, which is a deck building term, uh, that you have to play against what villain, and then you like count how long it takes you, how much health you have, how well you've defeated the villain, and mm-hmm. it ranks everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I'm we're in our second week now, and it has just been so much fun, uh, kind of seeing how bad I am at the game compared <laughs> to everybody else. Um, but but it's been a it's been a really great learning experience because they kind of yeah. told me you have to play this, you have to play it three times, and so that's a great way to start learning the game. Yeah. So if you do like marvel champions if you're playing it solo hit us up and i'll, I'll shoot you the invite to the discord server because it's been a ton of fun yeah. um but yeah. so i obviously really liked it it's a four cheers for me um, <laughs> uh, you you played it once what, what were your thoughts on it i yeah i mean so first of all co-op it's gonna knock it out of the park theming right it's gonna knock it out of the park I, it has maybe i think on the surface now that i've played it it had some initial like really obvious comparisons to legendary right? yeah yeah um, where uh, Legendary is a deck building game, um, so it will it will put out uh, a river, and you're purchasing cards out of the river to like to in, to to build to build your deck. Yeah, to build into your deck. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you are playing against an adversary and everything. Yep. Um, but in in the thing that was cool about it is um, so Legendary. First of all, you're going to mix the heroes, right? I'm going to like buy Hulk cards and Spider-Man cards. There's going to be all these different cards that are available to me. It felt like you could play a much more direct strategy in champions because i like i'm going to build the deck to do the support role or to do the offense role or whatever and so i I felt like i wasn't relying on that randomness of like what's just going to come up in the river and then come up in my deck right this (laughs) second element of randomness of like am i going to get what i need to buy into my deck and then am i going to draw it at the right time yeah champions let me kind of focus just you have this one element of randomness in the in what comes up but also like your deck is pretty standard right or mm-hmm. in other in in that like i may not draw the exact card that i need but i'm probably going to draw a card that will accomplish what i'm trying to accomplish yep with some level of accuracy it has the really cool effect where you are like either in your hero or you're in like your alter uh, what is it alter ego alter or, ego yeah, yeah I, you know you're basically like i'm either hulk or bruce banner i played hulk so <laughs> yeah um hulk is fun hulk smashes things yeah. as you would expect <laughs> do you want to do damage you can play hulk hulk does yeah. damage um and so like that i think is really 
probably thematically where it like it is thematic but it also meets its just like game mechanics of uh, i get to pick something that's like i get to play hulk and smash things like, it, it's <laughs> yeah. very straightforward and very thematic but it also like it mechanically it fits really well together so yeah i was a big fan i really i would play a lot more of it good i'm glad because i do want to play a lot more of it yeah you're your... glad to hear that <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool. i i will be playing a lot more <laughs> and i hope you join me yeah so. <laughs> absolutely absolutely awesome what about you what's been on your table yeah earlier today we played uh, the gallerist right Vassal Lacerda. Vital Lacerda. Vital Lacerda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a hard name to say. A much shorter game than it looks like. When yes, you first absolutely. The box. That blew me away. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we've talked too much about this game on the podcast yet. I don't think so. Um, I think you would do a better job of describing it. Do you mind just giving a quick summary of the game? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So in the gallerist, you're playing the director of an art gallery. And, yeah. and what you're doing throughout the game is you are finding new artists. Uh, buying and selling their works of art while promoting mm-hmm. them, trying to make them famous. And based on how well you promote them or how much art they have bought and mm-hmm. or sold is how much art uh, or how much like their pieces of art are worth now. And so it, it's a very kind of push and pull action selection game yeah. where you're, <laughs> you're trying to balance a lot, right? There, there's yeah. a lot going on. Uh, because you you want to win the international market on the left side of the board while also promoting the artist, hopefully trying to get other people to buy into your artist yeah. to pump those numbers up. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a very uh, it's a very nice. I I love the game. I think I like it a little bit more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I I will start off with I very highly recommend this game. I, I, you know I think yeah. especially it fit, like you said it's action selection it feels like a worker placement game but it's actually it's not it, <laughs> it, it, because you only have like one yep. I guess it's a worker placement game with one worker maybe you can think of it that way <laughs> um, but it's an action selection um, if somebody else is kind of on an action you get to kind of bump them off of it but then they have an opportunity to maybe take the action again if they spend a certain amount of resources it feels like a game that if you like games that are uh, more on the solitaire and it's not it's not single player so- or multiplayer solitaire like there is player interaction um specifically with kind of like what actions are you blocking and are people bumping you off of them and that sort of thing it's uh but it's it's a big euro right basically you're 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 it's a hefty one it's a hefty one and which is interesting because like you said there's only four spots you can go on the board but each one has like two actions that you yep. can select so it feels yeah, like yeah. you're kind of trying to take uh, between eight actions i think for me the reason i say i highly recommend it is because i think for people that like that style of game i can see it just being excellent for them it's not probably my style of game i think i like a little bit more player driven you know interactive type games and and also there's probably something where i just it didn't really click in my mind like my mind just didn't work that way well with it you know so i i found myself like getting bogged down and thinking a lot of like there's something i want to do like how do i do that yeah and just forgetting how the actions worked and stuff and even though they're actually relatively straightforward and kind of on the board and in front of you just for me for whatever reason i just i had a lot of trouble internalizing the game um so i think with multiple plays i would like the you know I, and i liked my experience i'm not saying i didn't like the game but i just i think for the investment and for the time and for the effort i put into it there's other games i probably would like more yeah and so it feels like i've talked about viticulture in that way where it has a, it's a great game that I, I can look at it and say this game is entirely mechanically sound um the gallerist also awesome components like it has all this artwork and so beautiful you know ten, it, 10 out of 10 for components on it's, me. Like, yeah I, absolutely yeah and it's it's really well built and put together and so like all of these things check out it's just like me personally it's not my type of game so like my experience rating suffers for it gotcha um, but more than i think the uh than it would for other people like yourself who like that's your type of game you it clicks well in your mind um that's the type of game you seek out i think it's really like if that if you are like Nelson, if you like, it's not an engine builder, but if you like engine builders, if you like games that are more feeling of a multiplayer solitaire type feel, um, I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's also shorter than like a lot of those games can be, right? It, it, I think you said it falls in like maybe an hour and a half or two hours. 
Uh, yeah, a little longer for us because it was my first play and I was thinking a lot, um, but can be shorter. And so I, I could see how it could be very rewarding for a lot of players. My wife had the same experience that you did the first time where yeah. it, it is a lot to take in. Like it it seems simple because there are four spots, but it's the, the strategies and everything that you have to kind of balance is very complicated. Yeah. That does just get better and more intuitive the more you play. Yeah, uh, I think I'm about five plays in now. Okay, I, I, I don't know, but I I can I, I can see this being in my top five. I whatever awesome. whatever this is about whatever it is about this game, I just I love it. Yeah, and so I I'm really glad that we got to play. I know yeah, I know too. it's not like your exact uh, type of game, but I I'm but glad I'm still really glad I got to play, play yeah, it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So and what I really like about it is that like it's a two player game. Me and my wife finished in like an hour fifteen. Yeah, which which That's is fantastic. Well, you're listening to a board game podcast, so like you know that's not like a long game, right? But like <laughs> to somebody else, it's like that's a long game. Uh, yeah. It's but, definitely not a long game for like the level of complexity that, that this game involves. Yep. We, I've played a couple of his other games on Mars being like his newer release, and that, that game is, I think we average probably about three and a half. Mm-hmm. which is a hefty 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 it's it's a hefty game it's a way more complex game than the mm-hmm. gallerist mm-hmm. and honestly going into it i that's what we kind of thought we were getting ourselves yeah. into <laughs> it was a three-hour game and so when we finished our first play i think was an hour 35 so yeah. when we finished we were just like i thought we were going to be doing way more <laughs> yeah yeah um that was funny for me because you said like this game is shorter than you think like yeah. by a lot and you were doing a good job coaching me through like we are like f- you know four turns or five turns <laughs> yeah but i still had trouble piecing together like okay I hear that. I internalize that. I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that affects what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not sure what to do now. Yeah. But I I really like the components. I, we played it on our last monthly game night. Mm. Uh, yep. So it was me and my wife and Felipe from, from our Discord. And yeah. I don't know what it was. I just got rolled on. It was bad. But, <laughs> but they, 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 they did really well and they, they had fun. So Yeah. They had a competitive game. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just over here like, ooh. Nelson participated. Yeah. But our game was like that today where I, like you you didn't double my score. And I'm going to hang my hat on that. It wasn't by much that you didn't double my score, but you did not. I am a big fan of all of Lacerda's work that I've played. Mm-hmm. I This is at, definitely at the top for, awesome. for me. Yeah. I, I'm on the quest. And actually, I have bought like all of his like eagle griffin stuff now Mm -hmm. so eagle Eagle griffin is the publisher that uh lacerda uses right now which has these like beautiful big boxes with these amazing inserts it's a pretty box and a big one (laughs) (laughs) so so we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more i think we've only talked about on mars and the gallerist yes as his games Mm -hmm. but we'll we'll Maybe next fireside episode, I'll, I'll talk about some of the other ones Expand I've played. So yeah, bit. we'll 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 talk a little bit more because if you are a fan of heavy heavy games, I I think that Lacerda is probably a, a great designer mm-hmm. to check out. Yeah, yeah, so, one of the top right now. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, anything else other than like Twilight Imperium been on your table? Um, nothing else besides Twilight Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I I do want to point out that we uh. We have said before that we are not going to have any ads mm-hmm. on the podcast. Maintain an ad free show. Mm-hmm. I I do want to uh, omit something. Like I when I when we said that we did not realize that we could actually get paid right. for for the ads, and specifically that that money can be exchanged for goods and services. Goods and a lot of peanuts. A lot of peanuts. <laughs> also beer, whiskey, and board games. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so with that being said, uh, we sold out. We straight up sold out, <laughs> and so. Um, It'll uh, be quick. It'll be painless. <laughs> it'll be quick. It'll be painless. But he, here you go. Yeah. Um, so we we signed our contract. 
<laughs> and we are we are actually now sponsored, proudly sponsored, proudly I, sh- sponsored. I should say, by now talking shit about your friends. Yes. And so reputable company, reputable company, beautiful. I mean, it it actually really works. It does. Uh, it does. So, we we can say that the, that the solution that they have it does work. It, it really does. So let's let's go ahead and play our first ad. Yep. And uh, here we'll, you go. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey there, Ryan here from the Gamecasters podcast. We put out new episodes about board games every other Sunday. Say, Jeff, do you hate yourself? Yep. How did you know? (laughs) Oh, just a hunch. Hey, Natalie, do you ever look in the mirror and just say, ew, why? I do. Swell. Then have I got the solution for you two. Is it Zoloft? It's a revolutionary tactic (laughs) that Chinese have used for centuries, talking shit about people behind their backs. (laughs) Wait, that doesn't sound right. Well, nothing makes you forget about your own ugly face, flabby love handles, and astronomical credit debt more than cutting down friends and loved ones behind their backs for absolutely no reason. I don't know, Ryan. Isn't that cruel and wrong? (laughs) Oh, Natalie. If lobbing terribly hurtful insults towards unsuspecting friends is wrong, then lock me up. Here, here. I'll show you. Nelson and Dalton suck as an acronym spells NADS. <laughs> so double burn. Oh, the hospital. Ah, I already feel more attractive. You two give it a try. Okay, well, here it goes. Did you see those being friends guys? They made a video bashing Mage Knight. I mean, isn't that just the board game beatdown from our show or what? <laughs> Steal our stuff much? And nice beard, you look like a doofus. Oh, oh right there, baby. Nice, Jeff. Don't you already feel 10 to 15 pounds lighter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. It felt great. Okay, Natalie, your turn. Okay, well, I'll try. Date night dice? More like date night dick, am I right? Pull it back, Natalie! And there you have it. As you can see, talking shit about your loved ones can really clear up that back knee you've been hiding from your girlfriend. (laughs) Talking shit about your friends and loved ones in no way solves any issues other than making you feel less terrible about your own life for five minutes. If you must practice this behavior, please do so in the presence of a pediatrician, you big whiny (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) I I love that so much. That was <laughs> oh, holy shit. <laughs> oh, Natalie. <laughs> oh, that was incredible. Oh. Oh. I'm shedding a tear. Yeah, so. Where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's an app. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shit. Hey, it's Nelson from the future. After listening to the amazing ad that the Gamecasters put together for us, we realized we never actually kind of explained what was going on. So just for your information, if you're not listening to this on the day it came out, this episode did come out on April Fool's Day. So April Fool's. Okay, we're going to get back to the episode. Thanks. Well, now that we're back from a, a word from our sponsors, uh, ah. we probably will hear a lot more from them soon. But probably, I, yeah. Cheers to the sponsors. Cheers to the sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> they, they put out a great ad. Yeah, they did. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, let, let's dive into it. Let's talk about Twilight Imperium. So Ooh. I'll go ahead and give a brief overview of the game. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please don't make chills. me do that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it, actually. I was like, I could ask Nelson to give the overview, and it would, but it would feel like a test. <laughs> like a pop quiz. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm in control of the green chips. Well, yeah, you can be. Yeah, no, I think the last couple of games I was. So gotcha. That's it's a good color. That's almost it's the only rule color. I remember. So, so, so yeah. So Twilight Imperium, Dalton, your favorite game of all time, correct? Hundred yes, percent. Yeah. So, 
I, I'm really excited that we get to talk about this game. I think we talked about yeah. it in our last icebreaker episode that I am not an expert at this game whatsoever. I, I've played uh-huh. this game twice in my life. I have looked at a lot of statistics because I think it's a phenomenal game. I really yeah. enjoyed my plays, but that's about where my knowledge ends. Yeah. And that is where you were at 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that long. I think my first game, I was, I was like 15 or 16. How think, old are you now? Actually, wait, no. Oh, crap. I was 14. It was 13 years ago. Dang it! <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel bad? I know, a little bit. That was like almost half my life ago. That's crazy. But yeah, I think like what we're kind of looking to do here, I, I would say actually off the bat, I have done a lot of learning in preparation for this episode. I, oh, I thought I knew yeah. a lot about Twilight Imperium. And <laughs> like in some sense, I, I, I know a fair bit, but um, I've never really done this kind of like deep dive into competitive strategy. Um, so this has been a really enjoyable experience for me. What we're kind of targeting with this episode is, okay, you, what's, we're going to start from the base assumption that you understand the rules of Twilight Imperium. Maybe you've played a game or two, or maybe you are going to play your first game and you are, did you just put your notes away? I don't have any. That's just really funny to me that you don't have any. <laughs> Nelson just like folds up his iPad and like set it to the side. I'm ready to listen. <laughs> Preach, preacher. <laughs> you should be taking notes. It's yes, fine. Sir, I actually sorry. take notes for you and type them up. Okay, good. Notes, so you will have access to all of my notes. Um, but I, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just that... Uh, we, like we are kind of coming in maybe you're like about to play your first game and you've watched a rules video or something like you understand the, the the concept and the rules of the game we're trying to elevate from like a new player to like a competitive player but not quite a player who's like in competitions like there are twilight imperium competitions we're, we're not getting to that level of strategy here so basically what dalton is telling you is that after you listen to your next podcast or this podcast yeah your next game is a guaranteed win or your money back oh <laughs> <laughs> if you to collect that money <laughs> reach out to talking shit about your, your friends, friends. <laughs> our, our sponsors they yeah, also they're, bankroll. they're pretty great so yeah, they bankroll and back up all of our promises yes yeah <laughs> all the money that we have made from this podcast has come from them <laughs> that's um, oh goodness so that that's why i kind of learned about it right it's like i would call myself like an experienced player and and like i, I win within like my circle of my circle of friends my common like core group probably like more than my average right if you say like a six player game i have a 17 percent chance to win like i probably have a win percentage above that um but i'm not like epically winning every game i play <laughs> yeah right. right and and like i said i've played only two games i have familiarity with the rules but i i'm not an expert with the rules so yeah um if, if i do have rules questions i will be asking you <laughs> so because I, right. I do want to understand so absolutely I, I i'm excited so yeah i i guess like what how do you win the game I think that honest, honestly, like it sounds really stupid, yeah, right? No. To ask that question. My first bullet point, though, is like, why, like, how do you win the game? Like that's, that, like it's such, it's such a broad because it is a four X game. It, it has a yeah. ton of content to it. It's very wide sweeping. And what is four X? Sorry, I, yeah, yeah, four X. I think is, we've talked about it, but I just want to make sure that everyone's aware. Absolutely, of the terms, yeah. yeah. It's it's sort of like a type of dudes on a map game. Like it feels that way, um, but it is a, a different category. It stands for like expand. Let's see if I can do this. Expand, explore, exterminate. Xylophone. And xylophone. No. <laughs> exploit. Exploit, yeah. I don't think I said exploit. Um, so if a game contains all of those components or all of those like mechanisms or themes, you could call it a 4X game. Like if you've, if you've played like old civilizations like on the computer, like the you know, computer game, like that that would be a 4X game. Um, this is one on, on a board. And so because it is so broad, I think you need to walk into your game of Twilight Imperium. And the first thing to think about is, but even before, I guess, even before asking your question of how do you win, you need to ask yourself what type of game do you want to have? 
because you can have a lot of fun in Twilight Imperium and not win. And that's really important. I've done understand. it twice now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because you have this like civilization building feel. Like it can be very rewarding, right? Yes. Yeah. No, one hundred percent. I think that it it feels very rewarding and there are it's an asymmetrical player power game. So yep. you, you have kind of a path to go forward. Mm-hmm. But and everyone kind of feels different right mm-hmm. you you feel like you're playing a different game and so i i'm a sucker there's technology which i'm sure we'll get into yep. but like the last time we played i played like the necrovirus which you know if you attack someone then yeah. you get to steal some of their tech and that felt like a completely different game i didn't win but i had so much fun because technology yeah. in games is just something that i really enjoy yeah like uh, as a as a thing exploring in the game yeah and so you can do that you can expand you can uh play defensive you can play political yeah and so that that's i think it looks like a uh fighting game like we're gonna mm-hmm. fight and we've talked about this a little bit with scythe we're, but mm. there's so much more that goes into it yeah for um, sure. so that it's kind of a joke how do you win but it's like also not super intuitive how you win yeah for sure for sure so i think walking in like yeah think about am i going to be necrovirus and like the way that they get technology is they attack people like is that gonna be my game i'm just gonna <laughs> pester everybody and get technology if so that's a lot of fun like and have it fun is. with that you know just just like play out that meme you know <laughs> like i'm just gonna be the ridiculous race that attacks everybody and like that's gonna be my thing and like i i have had a ton of fun is it i'm gonna build massive fleets and just throw them at people and get into these awesome space yes, battles you yes. can totally do that and like sometimes that you can do that and win the game but you can absolutely do that and not win the game um you can do it by making sure somebody else does not win the game <laughs> if you want to point is are you going to be competitive are you going to be cutthroat are you kind of come into like i need to win this game or are you going to have fun are you going to be social are you going to build big fleets and throw them at each other or you know like just kind of figure out what you want to do if you want to win the game if that's your answer <laughs> you can continue listening yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking awesome. about. awesome I'm, I'm really excited yeah um so how do you win you win the game normally by scoring 10 victory points which sounds like super low compared yeah. to other games like you won the galleries with like that. 147 yeah i did that in one turn like yeah, exactly <laughs> like very easily in twilight imperium it's hard um, you get victory points by doing big things with your civilization, right? So having a bunch of ships out, by winning important battles, by spending a lot of resources to show you have this just, you know, enormous economy, things like that. And so in a normal game, you play to 10, you can play to 14. We're going to focus on 10 for a second. In the game, a typical game, and I think this is, under, is you talked in the gallerist we just talked about, of it's important to understand the length of the game. Um, I think you, you enter a game of TI4, like fourth edition Twilight Imperium, which is, again, what we're focusing on today. With the assumption it's going to take six rounds, six game rounds. Okay, that's it, actually a lot shorter than I would have guessed. That is the main reason that I have lost the game. <laughs> like I, I have been TI three is a lot longer. TI three is a lot longer. Okay. I've been performing poorly in TI four because of that. They sped the game up a little. Okay, bit in game rounds, which is pro- like sped the game up. It's still six hours. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, still it, four to six hours can be longer. Yes. Like, so it, it's not a short game whatsoever. But right. but that is good to know. Yeah. Like I think that's good to know about any game, but especially something like a four X where you're building an entire ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, to to ramp and so if like if you're like oh I'm gonna hit my stride at round five. That's probably not going to win you the game, it's right? Too like, it's, it's too, too late. It's too hard in Twilight Imperium to catch up. It can be done, but it is really difficult to have big swings past like three or four victory points in like okay. a single round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so let's break that down a little bit. Like, where do you? So I think the, the reason I bring that up, walking into the table, it's important to have an understanding of where my ten points going to come from. Yeah. Okay. Yep. If we're playing to six rounds, that means that two stage two objectives have been revealed. So just to review in the. Uh, the way the game works, it will reveal five stage one objectives over the first four rounds. 
So there's two, yep. like at the yep. start of round one, there's just two on the board, and then it reveals one at the end of each round. And you can claim one a round. round. Yes. And mm-hmm. there's a, a strategy card that allows you to take another. That's correct. Okay. Yep. Yep. You do cool. great. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. You know how awesome. to play this game. I'm going to win the next one. Absolutely. <laughs> right there, each of those are all, they are always worth one victory point. Okay. Yep. So there's five potential. That could be half your score. Okay, yep. Right, because you need 10. There's going to be two stage two objectives revealed. It is typically really hard to score both of them. Just because they're hard to get. Two stage two over the course of the game or in a typical six round game? In a typical six round. Because you will... One is revealed in the fifth round and then the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Yep, okay. Yep, I'm following. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I did that right. Okay. Yep. Um, Because uh, the game can reveal five stage two objectives total. After that, the game just like ends. (laughs) Like you... All of you lose. Yeah, you guys can't play. No, I think it's like the mo- the player with the most. Or something. I don't. I, it never hits that. So yeah, I, I don't actually. Know Maybe what in happens. like a fourteen point game, right? It'd be a little bit more likely to happen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Then the other main place that victory points come from, you have three secret objectives. Or sorry, you have a max of three secret objectives. I totally forgot about those. Yeah, right? Score... And I think I forgot about those while I was playing. <laughs> that probably didn't help. <laughs> and that's hard because this is, I think, when, I, when I've, as I've been researching competitive players, score all three in most games. Okay. Um, because they are, they are points that are hard for other people to block. Yes. Yeah, that makes you know? sense. Yeah. Um, you don't start the game with three, but you can draw them over the game. And it's a maximum of three in your hand and scored. Okay. How, how do you draw them? I'm sorry. Like No, you're fine. This that. is good yeah, stuff yeah. to talk about. You draw them off of Imperial also. Which is the strategy card that you can take. Yes. So okay. as a re- as a short review, there are eight strategy cards. They they each will do different things. Imperial is the one that scores victory points. Like it, That's its job. Okay. It's to score yeah. you victory points. It does it in a couple of ways. One, if you own Mechatol Rex, you can use Imperial to score one victory point, just straight up. So that means if you have Mechatol Rex, you have Imperium, you use it, or Imperial, you use it, you get one victory point. Um, what that means is most players will try to stop you from doing that because that is incredibly strong. <laughs> yes. You can also, if you don't have Mechatol Rex, you can draw a secret objective. I don't remember if it's one or two. and you, I think you just draw one. Um, and then the secondary lets you lets other players draw one as okay. well. Um, okay. So it's sort of this indirect way, but like that's how secret objectives okay, enter the cool. game is through the Imperial cool. strategy card. Can you discard secret objectives once you have drawn them? Or yeah. like Yeah, the, you can draw past. Draw. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know what okay. I mean? So like if you have three and like all three are in your hand unscored, you can like draw a fourth one and discard one. And discard. One. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so that is an important thing to do if you're yeah. like this is just unscorable. You can you can cycle them. You probably want to cycle some and try and find something mm-hmm. that is within a round of scoring or, or a couple of rounds of scoring. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. The way objectives are scored is like you, you mentioned. You can only score one per round. That's at during the status phase. It's like the cleanup yep. phase. Yep. You can score one public objective and you can score one secret. So yes, when you score your secrets is is important. If if your secret is something like have a certain amount of technology, right? Score that the turn you're going to win right oh okay yeah keep it off the board don't let people know that's okay that's you know what i mean like score it as late as you can because there's a lot in this game of uh kill the leader right yep there's a lot of jump on the guy who's winning like stop him because i'm like we're all going to do that or else like we all lose right (laughs) um and so having a little bit of control like if it's something like if it's something like kill you know kill a certain a ship that's in a certain position or control a certain number of planets you're gonna have to kind of reach outside of your slice to do that your slice being like the game is a hexagon or the board is a hexagon so your slice would be kind of like the pie slice of the board that's just kind of normally attributed to being yours. Coming from Mechatol Rex and right. expanding in a crescendo out from Yeah, exactly. Mechatol like Rex. if yep. I just okay. divided it into, you know, for six <laughs> players, if I divide it into six equal parts, you know, pizza slices, like this is my slice. <laughs> yep. If, it, if an objective causes you to reach outside of it, you might want to score it earlier, right? Because okay. it's going to be hard to do. Like you want to get it, score it, and get it out of your way. And then, and then once you've scored it, you've scored it. You, you yes. can't, if you, if you lose that positioning or whatever, you're... 
That's right. It doesn't matter. It you doesn't you matter. keep the okay, point. Good. It goes good, to good, like good. the public play area, so everybody knows what it was and sees that you score it, and your victory point total goes up. That makes sense. But they yep. can't. They can't keep it. They can't okay. stop you. The other reason you might want to hold secret objectives is you need, in order to score a public objective, you have to have control of your home system. Yep. That is not true for secret objectives. Oh, okay. So you can score secret objectives without your home system, which means that if somebody c- takes your home system to try and stop you from winning, you can still <laughs> score a secret. Okay. So, so now we have five stage one objectives for five victory points. Each secret is worth one victory point. Now we're up to eight total. Yep. One, assume one of the two stage two objectives is scored. All stage two objectives are worth two, and that's your 10. I always assume that you would have to score at least one or two from Mechatol to uh-huh. win the game. Is that, are, are you saying that's not the case? Like, like, do people not, do people win without actually ever scoring a Mechatol or X point? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, okay. I think most of the time when you win, you will find another way to get a victory point. I, I, like when I list that five, three, one, I think that's a good, like in your head, this is your starting position, right? Okay. This is my base assumption. Yes. There's, but there are other ways to score victory points. Like you said, you can own Mechatol and you can activate Imperial. It's hard to do, but it can be done. If I, if I'm doing that, that's one fewer public objective I need to score to win the game. Right. Okay. Now yeah. I need four, three, one, because I got one off of Mechatol. Yep. Um, Mechatol also starts with the custodians tile. Which is like, they're basically like the guardians of Mechatol Rex. You have to like buy them with six influence in order to like open Mechatol Rex and open the agenda yeah. voting phase. Okay, right? I remember something. I yeah. never got there in time. So, yeah, <laughs> it is worth one victory it. point. Oh, okay, okay. So, if you are the person that removes the custodians, that's one victory point. And then you can score Imperial next time. Yeah, if everyone let you keep it or if, if, if everyone let you take Imperial. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you don't activate Imperial at the beginning of the turn, you activate it on your turn as an action yes okay so yes so So i have to take mechatol rex and already have imperial and then i have to keep it for the turn (laughs) round you know yep not the game round but like a a series of turns everyone else takes a turn yes everyone else takes a turn and then i can activate it and score my victory point Um, and that that's 20 percent of your score right there if you're able to do that if you're able to take the custodian token for one and get a mechatol point from imperial yes that would be 20 percent of your score so you don't have to score stage two objective yeah, for instance, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Um, and now you can see how the game might end sooner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. If you're able to do that and score and score your three secrets, right? So yeah, it's cool to talk through this because, mm-hmm. like, I I was just the first the first time I played, I I did not think about the objectives. Uh-huh. I I kind of I saw that the way to score points was to take that imperial tile, which I think is eight, right? It is. It's the number uh, eight, which means that you go last in the round. Yes. And I was just like, okay, like I. Like I need to get Mechatol Rex, and that's how I score. I need to hold it and do mm-hmm. it, and like for whatever reason, the objectives that were laid out just did not click for me as being as important as Mechatol Rex. Yeah, and so I I did that the first time, and then I didn't play it for a long time. So the second time, I had forgotten that <laughs> yeah. I learned that lesson, and I did that again. So like, yeah. I it was probably around three or four before I even scored my first objective, yeah. which is probably well, it's obviously not a winning strategy, right? I did not win, uh-huh. but it, it's good to kind of talk through that and see that okay, Mechatol Rex is like the the Rome, right? Like mm-hmm. you. Like that's yeah. kind of what the game is set up thematically to go after, but it's yeah. not necessarily what wins you the game. Yeah, and it's certainly not required. And you you cannot, I would say, you technically can, but you realistically cannot win the game by just scoring Mechatol Rex. It's too slow. The game's going to okay. end in six rounds. And if you get the one custodian, and if you miraculously scored it on the first round, and then the first six rounds, you'd only be at seven points and you wouldn't win. 
Yeah, right. and and that 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 right there, I think, is great information to have. Yeah, especially for a, a newer player or an inexperienced player like myself, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to focus more. And I love hearing this. I need to focus more on like almost an engine building or a civilization building, like build mm-hmm. my structure, figure out mm-hmm. how I'm going to score some of these public objectives that are coming up, yeah. rather than fight for fight king of the hill because that's where I'm going to score my points. The the public objectives are fairly intuitive right like, they're pretty, pretty straightforward yeah and so do you have any examples of those yeah so there are in, in let's just talk stage one for a second i yeah. think this is a good uh place to transition to stage one there are 10 we're talking base game prophecy of kings and expansion released more are you uh, having a little more there no <laughs> <laughs> of course not that would be irresponsible and dangerous. <laughs> Nelson's like, I don't have notes. I can just, <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I'll just sit back and sip whiskey and talk about Twilight Imperium. I love it. This is this is my jam right here. Same. All right. So there are <laughs> 10 public objectives. In terms of type, four, there are four, four, and two. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I yep. think I just like, I was, I was distracted by my whiskey pour. Fair. 10 public objectives. Yeah. I should have said st- I, stage one public objectives. Okay. So there... Five you, of the ten will be yes. selected. Okay. Yes. I just wanted because there there are going to be ten face down public objectives at the end, at beginning of the game. Five stage one, five stage two. But there are ten. There's a pool of ten that could yes. be potentially pulled from. from. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. We're on the same page. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that because I don't think that I, I said that clearly. Okay. So yes, there are ten stage one, ten stage two. You're going to play with five of each. Okay. Perfect. Um, but again, the stage two, you're really only going to see like two or three of them. <laughs> um, stage one. Actually, for both of them, just remember that it is four, four, and two in terms of categories, like types of objectives, okay? Okay. Four resource-based objectives, four board control objectives, and two technology objectives. Okay. 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 So yep. let's talk through what that means. Resources, it is it is something like just spend a lot of resources. So it is spend eight influence, spend eight resources. Um, is that like on something or just like during the scoring phase, you have to just discard eight resources? Yeah, exactly. You're basically oh, okay. just buying okay. the victory point. Okay. Which, and you get resources by expanding your fleet, right? You're conquering new planets. Yeah, and exactly. That's where you get the they, they come from planets. And so okay. I would have to end the round with like those planets unused. Yeah. And then I have to just like spend them on. It's like I think um, interesting. Okay, the influence one is called sway the council. The uh, the resource one, which is like resources you use to, it's like what you use to build the ships and stuff. Yep, that's called erect a monument, right? It's like I'm just spending my money that my civilization has such an incredible economy. <laughs> I'm going to build a monument. <laughs> I am so awesome to us, right? <laughs> yeah. And to okay. me, and so it's it's that lead from the front to spend three command counters. Okay, command tokens. Which, which are like your actions, right? Yeah, they're like the, yeah. those little triangle pieces yep. that you, little tokens that you spend your, to make your actions with. And so those are spend objectives. Spend objectives are great because people can't block you from them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, I can always claim a spend objective. Okay. Because like I can go through and like with my home system and one other system and like I probably have four resources or I can have just like a shit ton of trade goods stocked up because you can <laughs> use trade goods to pay for that. Oh, um, you can? Yes, you can okay. do that. And so, like, I can just have eight trade goods, and it's like, there is not a mechanic in the game to take this from me. Oh, very interesting. Okay. Right. So, so as that, long as I have really my home system, I can always claim that. So, that that is really good to know. Because, yes. so, and, and trade goods, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, th- those are the mechanisms, like, the currency in the game. Where That's right. you can trade with yep. people to get money. Yep. And they're, they start out as something else that you They start out as a commodity. Commodity. And, 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 and the way it works is if, yeah. if I have a commodity, it is useless to me. If I give you a commodity, it becomes a trade good. Yeah. Right? So, if you have three commodities and i have three commodities we trade three for three now you have three trade goods i have three trade goods and i think that is something that completely went over my head the first two plays is how valuable trade goods are mm-hmm. because i mm-hmm. 
I, I did not realize that they could be spent as kind of like a wild resource. Yes. Yeah, they're a wild and, resource. And so, so that's really important to know is that if you have something that needs to spend eight resources or something, that can also be trade goods. So you mm -hmm. can wheel and deal for your sure. way to that victory 100%, point. yeah. Okay, cool. The other reason you would... So you buy it last for one because nobody can stop you. And so you want to buy things that nobody can stop you from when you're already ahead. Right? Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. That that's reason number one. Reason number two is... Things like influence, resources, trade goods early in the game. I want to be spending that, right? I want to be putting plastic on the board. Yes. Yeah. I want. I want to be buying command tokens and doing things. And it is inefficient to, like, spend that to buy a objective early in the game when pla when I don't have a lot of plastic on the board. When I could just buy it later. Yep. It, it's the engine building. Like, yes. Mechanism. It's exactly. Like, <laughs> I'd rather build my fleet and do everything that may score me another objective, and then worry about this one later. Absolutely. And, so and so like. I think I know the answer, but just as it, just to make sure, yep. like you don't have to score them in order, right? Like Correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, you can score any of them that are out there. Okay, cool. Um, and nobody can stop you. Like, again, the only way to stop somebody from doing that is by capturing their home system, from scoring a public objective. I, I would say if it is the only thing you can claim, then you need to kind of make a decision because you do want to be claiming things, Yeah. right? The yep. point is though that during a round, every round you should sit down and you should say what objective, not the first round, probably it's been, like you can score objectives in your first round but like you're probably going to go out so far outside of your way that you kind of have to know what you're doing but like round two it's like if i could start scoring an objective that will put me ahead that will put me in a good position okay right? so starting round two if you can do it round three you need to be scoring an objective one per round and so you okay. need to at the start of the round say what what public objective am i scoring this round and my point here is if you fail to score whatever one you want you can you can cl claim the spend probably like you, you you know what I mean you can save some money and you're like okay I'll just I'll go buy the spend one I wish I had gotten something you know that was harder to get but because I can't like I'm I'm I don't want to fall behind I'm gonna go ahead and claim it okay yeah right. okay that makes sense okay so eight allows you to score secret objective correct sorry I'm sorry like I there's a lot of rules in this game. So there are a lot I of rules in the game. So, so uh, Imperial, Imperial 8 allows you to score a secret objective? It allows you to gain one. Gain one. And yes. then, a so, you can score during the status phase, you can score one public and one secret. Okay, okay. Is there Optionally. any is there any mechanism that allows you to score two public in a single round? Um, so Imperial, so the, I, I should have been more explicit with the way it's phrased. So you can do two things with the primary ability of Imperial. The first is you immediately can score one public objective if you fulfill its requirements. Okay. So... That's just baseline. That's a great catch-up mechanism if you've fallen behind. It also, like, at the start of the game, again, there are two public objectives revealed, right? And yeah. so, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the end of the first round, a third will be revealed. Yep. And so that allows you to kind of get ahead in that race. You that do want to be a little bit careful because of, like, kill the leader. <laughs> you don't want to be too <laughs> yeah. far ahead. But that can be a catch-up mechanism. Then the second thing that you do with the primary is you gain one victory point if you control Mechatol Rex. Otherwise, you draw one secret objective. Oh, okay. Okay. So that it yeah. does kind of all three of those things. Like, But you can't get a secret and score a point off of Mechatol. But you can score a public objective and then get a secret. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, and cool. then the secondary, uh, people can spend one token from their strategy pool to draw one secret objective. So the rest of the table, when you <laughs> play Imperial, they're like not just letting you get way ahead they can draw secret objectives if cool. they want to okay that that makes a lot more sense okay yeah. so so there is a way to score multiple public objectives at the same time yeah well i, I guess the only difference is it, it's just game rounds it, yeah, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. you know where i'm going to score it kind of during the action phase i will i will use imperial to score a public objective and then during the status phase we will score you know more yep. public objectives. okay yeah, yeah. the only reason that's relevant is in the last round of the game you can use that to win the game because you can score a public objective during the action phase before everyone else scores objectives at the end of the round. And the game immediately ends. And the game would immediately end. Oh, okay. Cool. So potentially you can use that to win the game. That's <laughs> the only reason I'm, I'm talking through that. Sneaky. Nuance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Public objectives. 4-4-2. Four, four, 
The first four are spend, right? The second four are board control. So these are the ones that are hard to get. Um, and these are the ones that if you can get it, you want to base your round on getting this and then claim it. And then because you might you might lose it. You're probably going to have to reach outside of your slice to claim these. You're going to have to take territory from other people, potentially. You're going to make enemies, right? This is going to shake up the game. And so you want to get it, claim it, and then move out. Or you want to use that as a part of a deal, right? You want to say like, hey, I'm going to claim this planet. I'm going to claim that public objective. What's it going to take, you know? Yeah, can I negotiate? Can I negotiate, okay, right? Cool. You yeah, know, yeah. maybe there's an opportunity for that. Although generally, people don't like giving you victory points. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah. it can be something like, "Hey, I'm going to take that. You take this other planet that I own. You know, we're going to go one for one. You'll get to score this p- objective. I get to score this objective. You know, and now we're scratching each other's backs. And that's totally an okay thing to do. But there's something like, or they are things like control three planets that have technology specialties, control six planets in non-home systems, um, have one or more ships in two systems adjacent to Mechatol Rex. It's just it's beyond oh, the board. Oh yeah, yeah. Own planets be spread out control things right board control objectives the last two are technology objectives these are back in the category of nobody can once you can claim this nobody can stop you because they are something like own two unit upgrade uh technologies okay if you own that like you can't go backwards and you can't lose it (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so you you will you will just claim that on your turn the stage two public objectives are they are one for one with the stage one public objectives in the base game in other words it there is uh, spend eight influence as a stage one public objective. Stage two, it's spend 16 influence. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah right, yeah. and so they're things like that. They are literally the same wording, just more complicated and okay. typically twice as hard um, <laughs> with the exception of the one that's like in stage one that is own systems adjacent to Mechatol Rex. The like complement to that in stage two is own one planet in another player's home system. Oh, which is the tile that they started. Yes. And oh, if you do that- hard. Yeah, that's hard. Because <laughs> if you do that, they can't claim objectives. Right. So they are going to actively stop you from doing yeah, that. Yeah, they don't like... I remember that in our last play. I, I thought that was kind of fun. I, yeah. I don't remember who it was, but they came in like kind of like behind. I was like fighting for Mechatol Rex. I think you were maybe sitting on... No, George, or, uh, some one of the other players was sitting okay. on Mechatol. Mechatol. Yeah. Um, and like I, I was in the position to take it, and then someone came in to take my home system. I was like, okay, well shit like i have Turn to like, go all the way <laughs> and then like it, the other player ended up winning because i wasn't able to threaten yes um yeah. so like that that could also be another negotiating tactic but mm-hmm. sorry to kind of derail but like taking yep. a some a home system or a planet in the home system is a big deal <laughs> it's a big deal yeah and this is why you when we're talking when we were talking earlier about you're not going to score your points from mechatol you're going to score your points from playing the game the objectives are trying to make that happen right they're trying to yep. help you get outside of your slice and build your engines and stuff. The secret objectives, interestingly enough, are more slanted towards board control. Oh, interesting. Okay. So like roughly half of them are like have something to do with like winning a specific type of combat or owning certain types of uh, space or owning certain planets or or owning systems that are adjacent to other things. Like it's, it's board control type stuff. There are some technology ones. There are some like deployment ones like have like five dreadnoughts on the, in the game. It's like just put your ships on the board <laughs> okay, and like now yeah. you get a secret objective for that. Um, so there are some like that that again, probably roughly half. They're kind of hard to block. You know, but a little bit. Actually, I take that back. The board control ones. Oh, I was reading my notes wrong, to be honest. The board control ones are roughly half. Then there are like four combat ones on top of that. And then there are like six of the 20 total secret objectives that are like deployment technology and resource based. Uh, Okay, so kind of a question for you strategy wise. So would you recommend uh, drawing secret objectives and then playing to score those secret objectives or understanding the secret objective decks and just continually drawing secret objectives until you find one that like fits your strategy 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think it's probably fair to draw four secret objectives okay. total. You know. Yeah. Um, I think like typically you can find they they are accessible enough in the board control and combat ones to where I don't think you're going to have a ton of trouble getting them. Okay. And so when you start investing a lot of resources into just drawing ones that fit what you already have, you're action inefficient. Like it would have just been more efficient to go win a combat or something. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? And they're they're easy enough to just kind of go with the ones that you have rather than right hopefully draw the ones that you need right okay especially okay. since so many of them are board control and combat oriented that they will typically synergize well with the existing board control objectives and the public the objectives public, yeah okay. right so now i'm having a turn where i'm scoring this hard to get secret and this hard to get public <laughs> you know oh yeah in, in the, a single round because i can be nice. yeah. yeah exactly so now now i'm positioning myself well okay so so that is also good to know like yeah <laughs> Build your strategy towards your secret objectives rather sure. than vice versa. For sure. I think the last thing I wanted to talk about victory points wise before we kind of move on, this is this was a huge learning point for me. Um, okay. So I'm going to share this with you all because I have been entirely playing this part of the game wrong. And guaranteed you'll win the next one. <laughs> if you remember, there are something there are components in the game called promissory notes. Yeah. And they are basically an enforceable promise. Yep. And so you, it's like a you can include it as a part of a trade to somebody. Like I'll give you two trade goods and this promissory note. And it'll say something like, at any time, the player who owns that promissory note, you know, when I activate a system that you own, you can reveal that promissory note and say, nah, go home. You know, like you, you can't attack me right now. You cancel okay. that action, yep. basically. That card can also be traded to other people. Like I could trade you my don't oh, attack me card. That. And then cool... you could trade it to, you know, George. Yeah. And then I go to attack George. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> how did he get that? And he doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily know that George has that card. Correct. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. they all look the same I, I love the that mechanism. Yeah, it's a pretty fun so cool. mechanism. One of them is called support for the throne. Um, support okay. for the throne is it says if you receive this card you immediately play us play it face up in front of you and it is worth one victory point okay so like okay. i would give you my support for the throne right and it would score you one victory point i like that it then it then says if you activate one of my systems you lose the card and you lose the victory oh, point. oh okay it, okay right? interesting what is almost necessary or is at least extremely common at high level tables is to trade your supports Oh, yeah. So I give you mine and you give me exactly. yours and we each are plus one victory point. At that exactly. Point. Okay. Cool. And now we have a locked in alliance because if I attack you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I lose a victory over, point, yeah. right? But you don't Oh. because okay. you didn't activate one of my systems. So you keep the victory point unless you come to like take the system back. Or okay. Yeah. Um, so no, if like I claim your home system, you're going to, you know what I mean? You're going to come and get it <laughs> yeah. and, and lose it too. But um, if I'm just playing an outlying planet or something, you know, it, we're safe because it, I'm probably not going to do that to lose a victory point. Right, yeah, it's not worth it to claim yep. just a random planet. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mechatol. Like, right. it, if someone has Mechatol and you have their uh, support for the throne, yeah. you, you may take that. But, yeah. oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. I, I completely ignored all of those. I have always, I have never <laughs> given someone a... I'm like, that's way too powerful. Why would I ever do that? And it just never crossed my mind to trade one for one. Yeah, you know? just, yeah. just straight up. Just, here, you give me... We'll scratch each other's backs. And the reason you do that is because it pushes two of you ahead in the game versus the rest of the table and it is much easier to beat one player than four yep. or five and it, right and it's harder to kill two leaders exactly it's harder to kill two leaders oh, you're okay. bringing someone okay. with you as you pull ahead and oh. now the target is a little iffy yeah okay so that's super interesting and you have to be adjacent to someone to trade or something like that right yeah but getting adjacent is not that hard you just have to it's have like not. two ships next to each other like somewhere on the board yeah so okay. yeah you have to go out of your way to do it but it's not like over like but yes at high level tables if they are like across they will like send a ship across the galaxy <laughs> yeet yeah exactly <laughs> to get adjacent so that they can trade supports okay so uh, okay so what you're saying is you don't necessarily have to 
make that alliance with someone that you are adjacent with in your starting position. Right. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think that could help you both. Right. Cause now I'm only worried about one neighbor. Yes. You know? And the, Okay. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, because it is a hexagon, like as you get closer to Rome, as you get closer to Mechatorex, you get more, you get closer to people, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, mm -hmm. you, you're more in conflict. And so the constant threat is always from the people to your left and to your right. At least yeah. that's how I felt in the game. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can basically like assure that, Hey, like we're not going to attack each other. And I, I can like leave very minimal forces on my right side. I can focus mm -hmm. on my left side and mm -hmm. then, you know, push that way. I, yeah, that is almost more valuable. It, probably not, but like, it seems more valuable than the victory point itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I can focus and I can, push my fleet this way because i know this side is safe yeah and another great way to just to your point another great way to use that then is let's say the dude next to me like he has a secret objective a board control secret objective he's struggling with or or there's a really obvious public objective and you can say hey you know i see i, I see from your position you want this planet I, i'm not going to give it up i'm going to fight you for that and he can say you know man i just really need it for this and this reasons okay okay i will give you that planet you know you will score a victory point off of it and so i need your support in return Right. Yeah. It sounds yep. like victory point for a victory point, right? That sounds <laughs> yep. like a great deal. But you didn't give your support but you away. Didn't, yeah. You didn't give your your yeah. away. So now I can go to my neighbor on my left and <laughs> trade supports with him, and now yep. I have two supports, you know, from the throne. So that's two points that I didn't have to go score from somewhere else for one. And you're protected. And I'm protected on both sides. Oh yeah. Okay. Can get real interesting real fast when you start throwing support for the it, throne around. And so I think even in later game, so uh -huh. if you have a support for the throne and if you traded your supports, right? Uh, you, you also want them to be your main contender for victory, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, so what I'm envisioning is I'm sitting at eight victory points, which is never going to happen, but I'm sitting, at eight, <laughs> I'm sitting at eight victory points. I want the person who has my support and I have their support to also be sitting around that because if they're sitting at four, then it is back to a kill the leader thing. But if they're mm -hmm. also sitting at seven, eight, then it's still this whole, like there are two people within striking distance, which one and it's mm -hmm. almost like a kingmaker at that point, but it, it's a, it's a harder decision. Yeah. And, and so it's like, if I have a choice to choose someone without my support or with my support, I'm going to choose the one with my support Yeah. because I, I'd rather than be in the running because I know that there, there's mm -hmm. uh, the other players are going to be split in between who they're trying to attack. Yeah, for sure. And there's definitely a social game to that. Oh, know? yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because I think you can you can twist it. I haven't done this. Like I said, I, I've never played support <laughs> correctly. But I can envision a situation where you can look at someone who's at four victory points and say, like, hey, here's a free one. Yeah. Right? Like, okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's you need to catch up, and you need to catch up any way you can. And so, you know, trade with me. And now, if I was in four, I, I, I don't think I would take that trade for the reasons that you listed. It's like, I you're at eight. I don't want to get you at nine. Like, you're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, you, you're you right there. You're going to score, and I'm, right. the game's going to end. But I think depending on how you phrased it, you know, maybe it could be, I will give you... I will give you this and this planet, which helps you score this other objective, right? I will give you this plus this many trade goods, which will help you score this, you know, maybe one of these resource objectives, something like that. Um, so maybe it's a slanted deal, but maybe you can strike a deal and just pick up a free victory point when people are already trying to stop you from getting victory points. Yeah. 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 You know, there are, the last thing, it's, it's really not worth touching on too much, but the agenda cards, those like laws that you vote on, there's a deck of 50 of them in the base game. Five of them have the ability to hand out victory points. Um, just know that that can shake up the game, but don't plan on it. You know, it's 10% of the deck is going to have an impact on victory points to someone, maybe. You know, so you're not going to get like consistent, reliable victory points from that. Okay, I, I think that's really good to know, though. Yeah. Like, like focus on your main, or the, yeah. the public objectives, the secret objectives, yep. and and the support for the throne cards, and yep. then 
and then you're getting like custodian plus and the custodians on mechatol and then maybe a mechatol plus imperial play to give you an extra victory point but anything you're doing from those three things from the support from the custodians or from the mechatol point are just making your basic play of five three one right five public three secret one stage two five public stage one you know one public stage two they're making that easier you're 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 removing something that now you don't have to do okay cool I just think that that right there is super interesting and it makes it so that like I feel like I would already be better at the game just because like I'm not trying to score points from Mechatol. I, yeah. I need to focus on this. This is what I need to focus on the public and drawing and scoring three secret objectives is how you're going to win the game. Yeah. And I think right there already makes me feel more confident in my yeah. Twilight Imperium play. Yeah. So and, we'll- and like we talked about like it's a hard game to feel like you have direction for. Yes. And the the secrets and the publics set up your direction in some way, right? Yeah. They're going to dictate, okay, what do I need to be do? Where do I need to be going? What do I need to be doing? Um, your opponents will kind of dictate the rest of it, right? They're going to, your opponents are going to be weak and maybe that's an, er- an area you can like flex into. Your opponents are going to be strong. Maybe that's an area where you need to be ready to negotiate. Um, your opponents are, some of them are going to be the leader and some of them are not. And so maybe that's where you need to, We've talked a lot about this kill. I definitely think kill for like kill the leader needs to be something you're prepared for, um, because it it just it feels like it always happens. <laughs> yep, you know you have to kind of be sneaky with that win. Right, exactly. You either yeah you need to either be in like second place ready to win, or you need to be in first place and unstoppable. You oh know? yeah, you need to have a you have you need to have a secret objective that can't be stopped, or the public objective of score eight. Hundred yep, percent. Something that people cannot take away from you. Yep, and you're just gonna turtle on your home system. <laughs> and nobody's going to take yep, it from you, you cannot take this and there are a lot of games one like that it's you know it reaching in twilight imperium's hard it's it's mm, hard mm-hmm. to move across the map so getting to someone's home system to stop them from winning is hard yeah um, and so you especially know, if they're very much protecting that home system exactly especially if they are expecting some people to start tra- <laughs> if you jump on mechatol for instance and your gameplay is like i'm gonna get custodians i'm gonna score some publics and then i'm going to like get one or two points off of mechatol I think you're now going to recognize, like, I got victory points faster than other people. I need to be prepared for this kill the leader. I need to back off of Mechatol, make it an easy target for someone else to take so that they don't feel like I'm hogging it. And I need to start retreating deep into my slice and, and protecting my home system. Yeah. One more thing before we move off of victory points. Yeah. How viable is it to go after someone's home system that is in the lead? Right. Mm-hmm. If they're a good player, they're probably protecting it fairly well. Yeah. But is it is it worth kind of expending those resources to take that away from them so that someone in the lead cannot win? Right. Is that just like reading the board state or like do you have any advice or suggestions on that? I think that's yeah, that's an excellent question. So the first the first thing is if it's if you're noticing it too late, like let's say they're at like seven or eight, like they're getting close, it's time to play politics right uh, you are not the only person who doesn't want that guy to win, right <laughs> and politics as in like like negotiation negotiation yeah, i don't mean literally the politics yeah, part okay, yeah yeah although that will actually be part of it right you're going to take the speaker of the speaker token away from them so they can yeah, take the strategy yeah, yeah. card they want but no you're going to be like guys you know hey we need to put a stop to this it is awesome when you can have somebody else commit more to putting a stop to it than you can. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, Maybe I go in and like, Hey, see that big fleet. Like I'll clear that out of the way. You know, then you strike at his home system. Like if the home system tile isn't out there, like I don't want to get, I don't want to get that deep in his, t- I'm yeah. messed up in this war, man. I, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Pit two people against you. You guys duke it out. You duke it out specifically with the leader and I'll just like do my thing. So there, there's that part if you're like too late. If you're early, then yeah, early pressure can really make a big difference in slowing somebody down. Just making them feel like, ah, I don't know that I can I can reach for these board control objectives. I, can, I don't know that I can pull ahead when this guy, like he's, you know, he's got this big fleet right in striking distance of my home system. You know, I, I need to be ready to 
to defend myself. I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to really pull ahead. You know, so if you're reading that someone's getting close and just kind of putting some pressure on their border and kind of infringing on their slice by a territory or two, um, that, that can make a difference. Um, if it's later in the game, it's going to be harder. And you, like I said, you may need to strike a deal. Um, I think either way, taking out the leader does not get you farther ahead in the game. That, yeah, that's true. Right, inherently. So you need to kind of plan out, like, am I going to get some of my board control secrets? Am I going to get some of my combat secrets? Am I going to get this, you know, control planet in their home? Is there a plan here where, yes, I'm stopping the leader, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convert out of this. I'm going to convert victory points out of this, right? Okay, okay. Okay, so scoring objectives is very important. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, that's how you win We agree. <laughs> cool, okay. Like, I, I'm ready to play again. But... You also brought up a point earlier that's saying that, like, kind of building your ecosystem. I, I don't know a word. Economy, whatever. Uh-huh. Whatever it is. Civilization. Like, civilization. Know. Building it up is very important. Yeah. So if you can score an objective or start building your ecosystem economy, how do you make that determination of, I need to spend my trade goods building my fleet rather than scoring this public objective? How, how do you make mm-hmm. that decision or, or, or what leads into it? What are the factors that kind of value the victory point versus building up your fleet? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good question. Um, the heart. So important thing to understand about Twilight Imperium is that you can win the game with no units on the board. <laughs> right and that has happened to us <laughs> I, actually i don't know if you were part of that game we had someone win who had a single space dock on the board yeah that's awesome yeah. in their home system it didn't feel good to me but <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yes it was in his home system and he had evacuated his home system and then everything else had gotten killed but it didn't matter because he could score something and he won the game right um and that, so the it's like really cool i'm not it is it was a really cool, really cool win <laughs> at the time it was like dang it but uh, you know like in retrospect it was like fuck man that's really cool yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you know, plastic doesn't win you the game. It feels like it does if you're the biggest and strongest, but it actually doesn't. <laughs> it's only worth it if you can um, if you can convert it. For instance, if you have eight victory points and you have two secret objectives, right, that are both combat-oriented, um, you don't need your home system because you can oh, score yeah. secret okay. objectives without your home system, right? And that's a weird that's thing. That's super not intuitive. It's right? not intuitive <laughs> at all. And like, Evacuate. It's, exactly, evacuate. And it, it still is probably... In most cases, it would be a poor idea because there's probably still public objectives that you can score or something. You don't want to limit yourself. Oh, there's yeah, reasons yeah, why you yeah. wouldn't do it, but just the understanding that if you don't need your home system, why are you defending it, right? You don't have to... Yeah, you can defend it less. Exactly, exactly. And maybe even make it a more appealing target for someone to come in and attack knowing uh-huh. that you have secret objectives and kind of like, you know, trick them a right, little bit. Right, right. Okay. Um, so there, there's definitely a lot oh, of play fun. there, that's you fun. know? That's a lot of fun. <laughs> exactly. And like, if you have this big, awesome fleet, it doesn't do anything in the in the back of your territory right it needs to be forward it needs to be converting victory points for you it doesn't do anything just defending the homestead and now there is again there is reason to defend your home system there are mechanisms in the game to get past a screen right so uh, light wave deflectors is the top tier blue tech and it will let people pass through um, territories that you control to get to a territory that they want to go oh okay Um, cool and so that's super dangerous late in the game right that (laughs) you're like okay i can set up a screen of like destroyers or low-level ships um, but people can just fly through that and get to my home system (laughs) you know not good there are things to be aware of there um but if you are like political enough if you're a threat having your fleet out on the board and doing things like that's going to convert you uh victory points in the in the later game right and so when we think about okay the Early game is probably round one and then some of round two. The mid game is rounds like two, three, four. Again, the game ends at round six. It can end at five. It can go long into seven if people are killing the leader, right? So five, six, seven feel like the end game. And so into five, six, seven, you are definitely not spending resources on uh, 
on uh, on ships and stuff anymore. Like what you have, it feels to me. It's like what you oh, have okay. on the board. You know what I mean? It, that, that's what you got. That's what you got. And if you have nothing else to spend your resources on, you absolutely build more <laughs> ships. You know, like take control and do whatever you want. But like, if there's a chance to just buy a victory point instead, then yeah, just buy a victory point. You know, that's that's right. a way better use of your resources at that late in the game. Are there any objectives that would reward having multiple ships or a certain type of ship on the board? Uh, not of the publics. So, okay. so there are secrets. There's there like, are secrets. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't have those, right. what you got is what you got. Score your public objectives using your trade goods rather than spending them on mm-hmm. uh, on, on new ships and everything. Okay. Yeah. okay. And I think th- that's a good... This question kind of brings us into resource management a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to go because there are... I, th- I th- There are like four maybe main types of resources in the game. Technically, I think there are three, but one there's there's a fourth that feels like it. So planets have two. Those are the base two. Those are the two I thought of. So yep. I'm excited to hear the other two. Trade goods are the third that are just like the That makes card. a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> um, and then command counters are the fourth. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. You, you know, yeah. but you get command counters by spending influence, which is another resource. And so yeah. that, that's why I say it's it feels like four. Technically, it's three. But influence and resources. Influence is used... Influence off the bat, first of all, when we're talking about resource management influence is undervalued influence is used because it's not used to buy plastic it's not used to buy units yeah resources are used to buy units influence is used to buy command tokens which Um, are like your actions right right that's your actions size or right yeah Uh, exactly um you use them for three things you use them for determining your fleet size you use them for taking actions on the board and you use them to spend for the secondaries of the strategy cards yep okay yep um so that's why i said that like really there are three resource three things to talk about because influence just converts directly into command counters okay yeah, um, that makes sense. influence is also used it's the resource that you vote with and that can be extremely powerful and game changing depending on how votes go um, oh, so you just yep, need to be prepared yep. to participate in that and that that's in like the politics phase at the end of the round that's right yeah okay I, I, maybe it's agenda phase i think is what it's technically yes. called yeah i think it is yeah. um but yeah i think 50 50 is a good place to shoot for and Balance between influence and resources. Okay. Influence, the great thing about it is influence can be used, essentially can convert into resources if you need it to, kind of. How so? Okay, because... um, (laughs) Please explain. (laughs) Yeah, right? When using influence, for instance, you can refresh your commodities off of trade. That gives you more trade goods. Trade goods can be resources, right? There's this roundabout way to turn your influence into trade goods. Okay. Um, Influence can be used to... Oh, I'm trying to think what some influence can buy action cards off of. Again, when I say influence can buy, I'm meaning influence can buy a command counter. Command counter can be spent from strategy to buy action cards. Action cards can let you deploy things for free or, or you know, get get basically open up avenues to get victory points that you didn't think about. Got you know, it. Okay. They can be, it, it's how you draw additional secret objectives, right? It's how you... It's how you put space docks on the board so you can like build more things. Um, it's turns out also fun fact. Yep. That's where you produce units. Yes, <laughs> I uh, and you produce like double the space dock or something. What is that rule? You produce. You have a production capacity. So there's there's production capacity <laughs> and there's production cost. Yes. Production cost is I sum up the cost of all my ships and I spend that in resources. Yeah. Production capacity is I can build a number of units equal to the resource value of the planet plus two if there's a space dock there. So. That's a rule that I forgot. That is a, it's a nitpicky rule. Yeah. It's hard to remember. It's a, it's a hard to remember rule. And I played the entire, my entire second game, not remembering that rule. Yeah. And I think that's really what lost me the game. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but like 
that that is really good to kind of know and remember. It's a Nick Picky rule, but like use that to your advantage, right? For sure. So, uh, For sure. so like I, I say it in jest, but also it's like, like that that's where you produce that, and like that's where you can build your fleet. So, yeah. it, like space stocks are like the long term investment, right? Like, For sure. It's not fun to buy, right? But it's gonna help you in the future round. So yeah. sorry, sorry to kind of like make jokes. No, you're good. Like, it's a good. It's a good note. I think the the last thing I want to say on influence is remember I said there are four spend objectives yes they are spend influence spend resources spend trade goods spend command counters oh okay right yeah. so influence is kind of doubled up there yeah because you're because, spending yeah. what there's one for spend influence and there's one for spend command counters yeah okay that resources can only be converted into ships that's it that's all it can be used for oh yeah yeah, yeah. so resources um i i know that i'm doubling up on the term resources here but <laughs> it's because like the thing that you produce with in Twilight Imperium is called resources. And so I, I'm kind of doubling up on my yeah. terms here. But resources, they yes, they can be used to buy, like, the spend so many resources to buy a objective. They can be done, for, they can be used for that. But they also help you get to 50% of your secret objectives, right? Because you, you need the plastic on the board to score a lot of... That's very secret. true. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. They, they will convert indirectly as well. Um, they also, you I said units is the only thing. They, they buy tech. That's the other thing that they buy. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so... Um, but that one's a little 50 50 because if you're using the secondary of technology, you have to spend four resources and a command counter. And a command oh, wow. counter is three okay. influence. So it's kind of like four and three, you know, so it's a little bit yeah. half and half. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why I didn't list it as like the only thing. But there isn't really a way to convert resources back into command counters or back into influence, I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So okay, it's a little bit of a one way yeah. street. I think that's why it's better to be 50 50 because if you don't have enough influence, you're screwed. If you don't have <laughs> yeah. enough resources, you can, I don't you know. Figure it out. You can figure it out. You're going to buy slightly worse ships, but as long as you threaten right and make the right yeah. deal, you're going to be okay. So if you have to go more influence rather than the resources, which is, is that what you're saying? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Do I want to, like, if I was going to go 60-40 in one direction, I think, I think I have gone, if I was going to go 60-40, I think I have gone resource heavy okay. in the past and i'm i'm learning again this is another learning point yeah, for me through yeah, my yeah. research my research in preparation for the episode that i think that might be a mistake so i want to play a game where I, I lean influence heavy and just kind of see how that feels that i have i have more actions now you know because yes. i'm able to buy more command counters yeah. um i can spend more on the secondaries i can draw more action card i just feel like i'm doing more you know that's what influence lets you do like resources let you have ships influence lets you do things with them having more influence rather than resources seems very non-intuitive to me Mm-hmm. Like in, in a game Same. that is Twilight Imperium that, you know, yeah. it, it's positioned as this, let's go fight each other game. Yeah. It's like, I need resources rather than influence. And so it, it's it's kind of an interesting thought to like, maybe that's not true. Yeah. Like, let's let's get more influence rather than the resources. So, okay. Yeah. okay. I no. also think my gut tells me that in, in the end game in round five and six, when you're not, you have the technology that you need, you don't need to buy more. You have the units that you need, you don't need to buy more. My gut tells me influence is more valuable. In the end. Oh, game. okay. Yeah. You know, I see that. I think yeah. resources is more valuable in the early game and influence is more valuable in the end game. That that's, makes sense. that's my gut. Yeah. Okay. So cool. This is like flipping the game on its head for me. Oh, <laughs> At least like yeah. it's, it's exactly what I did not expect to win the game, which is also why I probably never win the game. Ah, but awesome. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so exciting. <laughs> Good. So my favorite thing in the game is tech, right? So oh, yeah. And it's Oh seemed- yeah. <laughs> but like you, you said only like 20% of the objectives are tech. So should I like not focus on tech? But it feels like uh, no, it you feels should like focus, the you tech, tech races should be like are better, like inherently better in TI4, right? Yeah, I I, I believe. I, well, I don't just believe. I, I so. have data. I um, don't remember the race, but I think it starts with an L. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's that's what I remember. So <laughs> The 
who do you think that starts with an L? I don't know. There is the universities of Jolnar is the like, they are the tech race. Yeah. There's an L in that. There is an L in that. There's a, that that's actually the one I was thinking of. I don't know why I thought it was an L. There's Letnav as an L. L1Z1X as an L. Doesn't matter. The <laughs> University of Jolnar is the tech race. Yeah. Generally considered like the strongest. Now, yeah. the races are relatively balanced. But again, like they are asymmetric. And I think because in competitive play, they can be drafted and things that... And they do sometimes require specific setups to like be playable. Or if they're in a specific situation, they might just overall be bad. Um, in the current like TI4 base game... Universities of Jolnar, the tech race, is considered the strongest race. Okay, so why and, are they considered the strongest race, and yet they only they have very few public objectives available to them? Yeah, I think that's it's really fascinating. It's mostly because they can be flexible. Technology okay. in the game will let you score objectives in weird ways. Now, you have to be able to convert it, right? You have to yes. be able to like okay. buy a technology that says, I have a plan <laughs> in mind to get X objective, or this is opening up x objective maybe it's the yellow cards or yellow text that are helping build your economy right so right, they're making okay. you more efficient with your resources so you have surpluses of resources so you can buy those spend resource things cheaply maybe it is blue tech that is letting you reach across the board it's adding to your movement it's letting you take there's the second to last blue tech is um basically lets you take two actions in a single turn damn right? single use of that i can take Imperial, I can then claim Mechatol Rex and get a point off of it in the same turn. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right. So That's it starts a to clever use of that. It is a clever. So you can start to open up these options. Lightwave Deflectors again, the highest level blue tech lets me move through my enemies and capture home systems or or things that are in the center of their of their slice. Sneaky, attack. sneaky stuff. You know, have them turn around. It maybe again board control objectives that is very forward in the secrets and in the um in the public objectives. Red and green techs are um, they're basically going to open up. The main thing I think that red and green techs do is they open up unit upgrade techs. Um, okay. So like green techs, they do weird things with like ground forces and some, and they give you more command counters and action cards. All of that in the low levels, all of that can be helpful. Um, the red techs uh, have like different ways of making your you more combat efficient. Um, that overall I think is not going to win you the game, um, except that a lot of the extra movement and specifically extra capacity comes from the unit upgrade techs. Extra capacity is extremely important. Capacity is saying how many ground forces and fighters can I move, right? And so if you are holding up in your home system, you got like 10 ground forces, right? That's a hard shell to crack. I need <laughs> yeah. a lot of ground forces of my own to be able to like compete. Kill that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and maybe that's on Mechatol. Maybe that's, maybe it's not. Maybe it's like skirmishing, right? Maybe it's all of a sudden my cruisers can carry things all of a sudden my dreadnoughts which always like could carry things like now they move too right so now it's like i send a dreadnought <laughs> yeah and a, and a single ground force that he can carry um he bombards the planet and kills your ground force and my mind walks in free right <laughs> so now my dreadnought and a single ground force can go claim objectives for me he can just get me a victory point by himself right. because he has the movement it's very efficient uh, yeah exactly <laughs> the actually that tech is so good that dreadnought too all it does is increase the movement one, but it's still, it's an extremely expensive tech. It has three prerequisite for it. So you need two blue techs and a yellow tech before you can buy that unit upgrade. Okay. And that single movement is just, it's that strong. And so the Jolnar can, they can upgrade their cruisers and their dreadnoughts and their carriers, right? Carriers now move two and carry six things, right? They can get gravity drive, which is just an absolutely like honestly ridiculous kind of broken tech. It is the, it's the second blue tech. So you need one blue tech in order to buy it. 
um, you need anti-mass deflectors, which is like the basic blue tech. And it's basically just a tech tax anti-mass deflectors. You don't really need to win the game. But gravity drive says after you activate a system, apply plus one to the move value of one ship during that tactical action. Oh, yeah. I remember now that. my dreadnoughts <laughs> move three. That's a lot. And they, it's a lot. That's like. How far of, are you from Mechatala at the start of the game? Three. Yeah. Okay. You, you are three. <laughs> the other way to um, think about it is you are playing on a hexagon that is, if I'm. If I'm in a single, let's say I'm on Mechatel Rex, right? Okay. And I have a movement of one, I can reach six systems. Yes. Right? If I can have a movement of two, I can reach a total of 18 systems. Yep. And if I can move one more, I think it's 30 if you have a movement of three. Like you're reaching like basically. So it's not a... Almost everything. Right, exactly. It's not a linear growth. It's it's more of an exponential. I don't know if it's literally exponential. I think it might be. Close to. It's close to. Yeah. And so, and that's so. Point is, you're opening options, right? You're becoming yeah. more flexible. It's like, how do I get this objective? There's a couple of ways, <laughs> and that's why Joel and R are good. Uh, okay, okay. Right. So, so tech doesn't inherently score you points, uh, like Jolnar or other tech, or just having tech in general. Right. Necro's the same way, right? They're kind of the other tech race where yeah. they can steal tech from other people. They steal tech from other people. It opens avenues for you to score the. Yes. Uh, the traditional points exactly rather than scoring points inherently and it makes it harder the other way to think about it is it makes it harder to stop you yeah yeah right i can see there's this public objectives that that says score or own six non-home planet systems right or not non-home planet planets or something however it's phrased yeah okay and i'm looking at jolnar who have dreadnoughts that move three and i'm like i I just (laughs) i cannot protect every planet in this system from them right they're gonna take it if they, they only need two they're just going to take it. They're just going to grab it. Yeah. And so it makes you harder to stop. It makes you more flexible. I, I would say in the meta right now, and this was another learning point. I kind of knew it, but it, it was it was good to reinforce it specifically. Blue is bar none the strongest of them. And oh, it's, okay. it's specifically because of that increase in distance and flexibility okay. that the other techs just don't add. Also because the, again, anti-mass deflectors is kind of a tax. That one, it's, it lets you move into asteroids or through asteroid fields. Most of the time you can just go around them. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's helpful, but it's not necessarily. Gravity drive is a game changing tech. Like no matter what, even if you're not going farther in blue, especially if you're a new player, you should get gravity drive. And remind me what that is real quick. That's the one that lets one ship move one more. Okay. Distance. That's yeah. the one that says my dreadnoughts now move three. Yeah. That, right? that or can... a single dreadnought moves three. Or I can grab a reinforcement from somewhere where you wouldn't yep. expect or something yep. like that. Okay. Or my carriers, now it, it, my <laughs> single carrier can move three, Yeah. right? Um, can that can be important because- a lot of ground forces. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's coming from my home system, right? He's coming yeah. from way in the back and I built him and just like six ground forces last turn. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to move my main fleet that's like one off of my home system. I'm going to move that two spaces and then I'm going to catch my carrier up. You know, gravity drive makes that happen. Okay. That, make, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so blue is the strongest. Yes uh is there a weakest um is there one that i should completely avoid no i don't think so. i think after that it's going to depend on your strategy like i think the main thing is probably going to be getting specific unit up you do i think here actually here's the way to think of it you need a way to before gravity drive you need a way to move infantry to spaces you need something that okay. can move yep. to and carry infantry with it that yep. can be cruisers that can be dreadnoughts that can be carriers that can be war sons right but not counting the bonus from gravity drive, you need to have something that can move infantry too. Because again, that gets you to that with gravity drive. Now they move three. Yes. Right. Okay. Or maybe I have flank speed. There's an action card flank speed that just adds a, that just adds one during your movement. Right. Yep. Okay. Now my thing, my thing moves four. That's crazy. That's, <laughs> I can move to the other side of Mechatron. Yeah. I never need to move that far, but like I, I have the option. You, you can. Yeah. Right. right. Um, or all of my ships are moving three or something like that. But that again, if you're using flank speed to take your ship, your carrier movement, or your dread, or whatever you are using in, to move your infantry around, if you're taking that to move from a movement of one to two, you're too limited. 
You know what I mean? Okay. You don't yeah. have oh, enough yeah, yeah, yeah. options. Yep. So I think on your tech path early because in the game. Because it's not linear. It, it exactly. Is, yeah. Exactly. So I think on your tech path early in the game, you need to figure out, okay, I'm going to get, especially in your first game, just say, uh, just assume I'm going to get gravity drive. It's just too good not to get it Okay. Right now. Yep. So let's just say base game, I'm just going to get gravity drive somehow. What then am I, which unit upgrade am I going to get to allow me to carry infantry, again, base movement too? Because I, I know I have gravity drive. I know I have the ability to move something with two. Now I can move three. Flank speed, I can move more if I need to. You know, I, I have options. My options are opening up. You're, you're setting yourself up kind of for success. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so, so the reason I was saying none of them are bad is because like red tech will take you into war sun, right? Being spread across the techs of like, I think you need like a yellow, a green and a red to get uh, cruiser. I, I don't know why I'm saying I have it right here. I can just okay, really so, look at it. So I, I want to bring this up now. So yeah. I've heard the rumor that war right. suns are not worth it. Is that true? I mean, if you want to really have fun, cool. they are absolutely <laughs> worth it. So they're the, they're the fun upgrade. I mean, I think so, yeah. Like, how often in a competitive sense are you going to be building War Sons? Um, I think not often. The main reason is they just require a lot of tech. Again, if we are assuming that I'm getting... War Sun is an all-in strategy. Let's put okay. it that way. Okay, okay. And, and there's a race that does it, right? Yeah, there's a race that... Um, <laughs> there's a race... Actually, that's a really good point. In my tier that I was talking about, That's again, it's, it's kind of a data-driven list of... We can talk a little bit of numbers here. Like, if I take a six-player game and my base like win percentage would be 17 percent right yeah right um, one divided by six right exactly yeah then i guess the way you can think of it is from from that weighted from that what's your variance yeah what's your variance okay and so university of jolnar um this is taken across let's see how many games is this excuse me this is taken across 55 5500 games uh, so <laughs> okay i, I like, heard 55 i was like oh okay 5500 oh, that's different that's a lot okay yeah okay let's go 5500 <laughs> games university of jolnar wins 29 percent above their wow so plus average. 12 plus 12 what do you mean by plus 12 i don't think you're wrong i just i need to understand what you're saying they, they win 29 percent of their games which is oh no, no 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 so they they it's like if i took uh if i took 17 percent and multiplied by 1.29 that's how many times oh, they win. okay okay you see, i mean like 29 percent oh, yeah. Higher than higher than than, seven, the than they're expected. Oh, and the reason okay. it's done that way is because not all the games in this spreadsheet are six player games. So like, you know oh, what I mean. Okay. In this okay. data set, they're yeah, like three yeah. or four. So it's okay. just it's taken <laughs> as an sense. average above like what they're expected was. Oh, got it. Okay. Embers of Muat are the race that start with a war sun. They're like the right. war sun yep. race, right? They are minus thirty three percent. Uh, yeah. Right. So they're instead of winning seventeen percent, they're winning like whatever two thirds of seventeen percent is. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because I love Embers of Muat. Like they're <laughs> they start with the war sun. Like yeah. that's fucking badass. That, that's so cool. It's like come fight me, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but unfortunately, they have to like go get the war sun technology in order to upgrade it to movement two, and that uh, is extremely limiting. Yeah. Okay. Um, that and, makes sense. And also in order to build more, so they like just have their one starting one, and if they lose it, like they are just on par with everybody else except for they're slower. Yeah. Honestly, you will have a lot of fun doing war suns. You can throw them around. They have capacity six. You can take any planet. <laughs> Everybody's scared of you. You know, um, they just require mold. a lot of technology to get there. They are they are the most efficient way to turn your resources into like just combat value. Oh, interesting. So if you have okay. excess, yeah. um, 
if you have like excess, well, actually, I guess that's technically not true. The reason, the reason I say it, they are, they're the most efficient way to turn your command counters into combat value oh, because okay, they're this okay. enormous yeah, yeah. amount of firepower in one unit, right? So it's a low fleet supply it, and you only have to move like one unit and you only have to build one, you know, so it, it's very efficient in that sense, but there, it takes a ton of technology to get there. <laughs> and so it's a very late game strategy, late game, yeah. you know? But so yes, it, like University of Jolnar can go get like, yeah, they can go get worse on. I mean, that, that's fair. So it's probably not, it's, it's probably not your main strategy, right? Like, you have to be scoring mm-hmm. victory points. You have to be doing things that build your base. Mm-hmm. And if you focus on War Sons and you're not at six points after four rounds or wh- right. whatever whatever it is, you're, you're, you're going to have fun. You're probably not going to win. Right. Now, in a 14-point game, that's probably a little different. You have a little more time. Okay. You can build a couple yeah. more technology. You can probably get there and make a viable strategy out of it. Um, but in terms of, like, fleets, I've heard really good things about getting destroyer upgrades. And so destroyers are like the cheapest unit that is not a fighter, and yeah. they have the anti-fighter barrage. Oh, they carry okay, the yeah. most firepower for their resource value. Okay, like just strict resource value, but they are expensive in the sense that you like you have to have a huge fleet supply to support them. You have to move them all around with command counters, right? So it's very influence-heavy strategy, low resource value strategy, um, but they are efficient in that sense. Um, you can also have high fighter strategies; those are really um, <laughs> powerful. I've heard. I've heard like rumors or thoughts about yeah. this and it just seems hilarious it, does, it is really fun it's like the concept is i build like three carriers that are upgraded i pack them with like 18 fighters <laughs> and you can shoot at me all you want like you're only killing half a resource worth of stuff <laughs> right and like they can shoot on like you know sevens and you get them upgraded and they can i think get to six if you're like the sardak nor you know it is, which yeah. is like a 50 50 ch- i mean it's just crazy the amount of firepower <laughs> you can like tech them into and use the right action cards and have the right you know racial powers and everything so um nalu can do that they have like a bonus to their fighters that is very it can be very resource intensive in that you need a high production capacity right so again you need like a uh, you need an abazin freya or something that has like resources of like five planets and maybe i can put two space docks on them and get them upgraded now i have something like what is that uh nine thirteen i can get two total um, production capacity in this like single system i can build 13 things <laughs> yeah. you know but it, it, if they're upgraded if they're with the specific mm-hmm. race that's formidable it's formidable right but it is influence cheap because it's a low it's a it's a low fleet supply right i only need to support yeah. like three okay. carriers yeah. Yeah. so like that's cheap in that sense <laughs> so high in production oh, capacity yeah, right yeah. low in influence the medium track would be some combination of like dreadnoughts upgraded to dreadnought 2 plus like maybe some destroyers or maybe some like cruisers or some fi- you know what i mean just kind of like a mixed bag of stuff that can it's going to be like a medium level fleet supply a medium level you know capacity it can be maybe a little flexible so something in the middle there um, and warsend just has trouble kind of competing against any of those three yeah fleet builds if okay that makes sense that makes sense so we we've talked a lot about jolnar we've talked a lot about other words that i i don't quite remember all the races but like, yeah okay so like asymmetrical player powers yep it's by a big no part of the secret game. and it's part of the game it's by no secret probably one of my favorite mechanisms in all of board gaming yeah. right so yeah. i want to spend a little bit of time talking about that we we've talked about that jolnar is very good mm-hmm. right that that's probably the strongest in the base game which is what we're focusing on yeah but like what are some of the other maybe stronger and or weaker races that mm. that people need to be aware of when, yeah. they're, when they're looking at the game? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, again, we're talking about versatility. We're talking about the ability to be able to flex into whatever secrets you get dealt, whatever 
public objectives flip up, right? Do I need to play for Mechatol or not? Can, you know, can I can I score these random things in corners of the map? So people that are good at that, um, we've already talked about Jonar, like you said, because they have the tech to do it. The Hassan, the like space lions, the trade people. Yeah, okay. They yeah. are good at it. And it's literally just because they have like the power to negotiate. They could just, you know, they can go out and buy, like, first of all, they're going to have a shit ton of trade goods. <laughs> so those four like spend objectives, they kind of feel like, gimmies they kind of feel like freebies to them yeah, right okay yeah. So like, I, yeah, I have yeah. eight trade goods i'll spend i can do that yeah. yeah i can do that so they have they have that but then they have the power to run the game you know to 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 have that soft power that business that po- politicking you know of hey you know let me do this and i will uh, I, I'll, I'll give you this many trade goods you know I'll, hey you know what go fight him i will give you this many trade goods just to fund your fund your war i'll just give you eight trade goods to go <laughs> fight that guy you know yeah. like they have the power to do that it almost feels like you have to be a fairly strong political player mm-hmm. and you can pull the strings you can yeah. be geppetto right? exactly <laughs> yeah the can, puppet you, master you can make it work you can make it work so yeah okay the that has been a race that I've always wanted to try. I think you would love them. I, I you know, I really do. Yeah, I think you do well at the like the focused strategy. The yes, you know yeah. what I mean. The like, I just let me ignore half of the game. Exactly. <laughs> let me just play this out to yeah. end. And so you would play Hassan. You would take trade like every time. Um, Hassan are the only people that can trade action cards. Super oh, interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Hey. Hey, come here. I got this action card. I know that you want to do this. I know yeah. I got a little something, something. You know? Yep. Let's talk about let's talk about a deal. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can and you can do like, hey, Hassan's at the table. I will trade, you know, me, Dalton. I want to give I want to give Nelson this action card. Um, but Nelson, neither of us are Hassan. You know, hey, Hassan player, I will give you this and one trade good. On your turn, give the action card to Nelson. Yeah. Right? And so when you're the Hassan player and you hear these things, right, you can start to keep your eye your eyes and ears open. Like where can I just where can I <laughs> get a pick up a trade good here and there? Yep. You know, just making deals for just uh, just oil in the machine, you know? Yeah. But along the way you're taking your cut. Yeah, it, it seems like something that you would be also really interested in because they're so flexible. They're so flexible, and, dude. and you can almost flex into any strategy, which exactly. makes them very strong, both for the secret mm-hmm. and the public objectives. Because sure. you don't necessarily know what's going to flip up, mm-hmm. but you also have the resources and the trade goods that you can use to fill almost any of those. Yeah, for so sure. it sounds really cool. Okay, sure. so what, what else? Good. What else? Soul is good, um, which is actually kind of funny because they're like the humans. They're just like the dudes. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're yeah, like yeah. from Earth, <laughs> and they the reason they are good. So they have the best carriers in the game. Like they have a specific unit upgrade carrier um, that uh, can carry eight instead of the normal six. That's a lot of fighters. Yeah, it's a lot of fighters. <laughs> um, it's also a ton of ground forces. They have a really great stall mechanism. Okay. Stall mechanisms are rare and beautiful in the game where let's say I have leadership, right? You need me to activate leadership because leadership is the strategy card that lets you convert influence into command counters. Okay. okay? Yeah. Let's yeah, say yeah. I have leadership, but I have a couple extra command counters. Soul can spend one from strategy allocation, just spend a command counter to place two ground forces on a planet they control. That's their turn. Just stall. 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 Which, right? which, is, which is probably a lot better than what it sounds like. It's a lot better than what it sounds like because all of a sudden you're out of turns. And yes. you have to pass. And once you pass in the game, you can't come back in. So now oh, I activate leadership. Okay. Yeah. Right? So it's not necessarily getting the ground forces. It's really just like waiting people out. Exactly. exactly. Oh, okay. And like the, the ground That's forces are fine, you know, but it's a resource inefficient use of I mean you're taking taking three influence and converting it into essentially one resource because yeah. yeah, ground yeah. forces are two for one so but or you know let's say also maybe I have imperial and I want to make a play at mechatol and I stall everybody out right yes and now I take mechatol and then I activate imperial because you can score everybody yeah. has passed oh, nobody can stop okay. me right yeah, so yeah, yeah. stalling and specific it doesn't 
take place every round, but in one or two rounds in the game, it'll make a big difference. Got it. Okay. Um, so they just have every. There are several races that have good stalls, and they they just happen to be one of them. And then beyond that, they are the ground force people. They're just hard to take things from. And a lot <laughs> yeah. of the game is you know board control. They're good at taking the board, and they're hard to take it back. From. <laughs> yeah, right. they're annoying. They're annoying. Like the Arborek, right? Right. I think Arborek. We've both talked about Arborek because we both love them. Um, they are the, the plants. Like they're not. They're yes. a sentient plant, which is already funny. <laughs> it's um, great. They have a gimmick where they don't need to produce from uh, space docks. They can produce off of their infantry. So they have this really funny like ramp where they dump a bunch of infantry onto the board, and then all of a sudden they can create like yep. a thousand ships from them. Um, so they are really positioned well for like a fighter strategy where they have like so much production capacity that like that's just not a problem that makes for them. a lot of sense i probably should have done that yeah <laughs> they're like <laughs> you have to know the game a l- they're like a mid-tier complexity yeah and like my data says that they are like mid to low i think they're probably mid but you know listen to data not dalton what is he yeah. talking about but i think part of it is that they have a hard tech path they are very strong at the start into green and there's not a terminix to green like there's not an end game that works so they have to like kind of it feels like they are strong if they start with a blue tech planet or something that like lets them kind of flex a little flex. bit yeah, yeah there's yeah. just you can't just do mono green as a tech strategy and they're kind of <laughs> set up to do that so that's that's a disadvantage to them got it okay i, th- I think those are i think the so the big three jolnar soul hassan oh we didn't talk about clan of sar i think clan of sar is uh better in high level play they're basically they're they're like gimmick is that they're nomads and they don't need their home system to score public objectives got it okay so like in high level play they're really valuable because pe- you just can't be stopped yeah right yeah, yeah. it's like the rest of their stuff is like fine but like that is just such a big you know deal. what you want and people can't take it from people you. can't take it from <laughs> you like that's big enough in like yeah. high level play that, where it's important that makes sense, yeah at our level like it's not gonna make that much of a difference cool i think some of the like ones if you're playing for your first time or playing in your early game people that just have like straightforward easy to understand strategies um barry barony of letnev they will help you build big fleets and just bully people with them. So if you want to play a bully game... That sounds really fun. Yeah. Barony of Letnev, um, L1Z1X are the Dreadnought people, and they're kind of in that territory too where they just, they're just they good at bullying people. Um, I love playing Mentak Coalition, who are the pirates, and they can like still trade goods for other people. I hate people. the pirates. Oh, pirates are so fun. They're they, so annoying. <laughs> they are good because like they people feel like they can't stockpile trade goods. And when they can't stockpile trade goods, it's harder to score the spend objectives. So yeah, they okay. sort of indirectly prevent people from scoring those, which is okay. really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You basically next just have to the pirates and it was horrible. Next to the pirates is stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say probably in your first game don't play Necrovirus, but they can be one of the most rewarding graces to yeah. play. Um, they're the ones that like if you take something from somebody, then you can uh if you kill a, a ship from somebody, even if it's just like a fighter, um you can you can uh steal a technology from them and so like that's just really fun to play hilarious um nalu do really well they have something where they always have initiative zero yep they so, always go first right? yes yeah. they always go first and so that can be huge especially in high level play again that can be really strong um they're also just naturally set up for a fighter strategy that's really fun so so those are i think some of the ones that like hassan sold they're very straightforward you know what to do jolnar it can be hard because you have to know what tech to get in order to convert into yeah, what, you know? Yeah, you kind of have to understand the game to make them efficient. Right, right. That makes uh, sense. So, but there are like, like I said, there's like 16 or something races. It's hard. We don't, we didn't want to use this to go through all of them, but just to like talk through, you know, so you're looking for, you know, you're looking for synergy. I think especially early in your career with just probably just your play style, you know, what, uh, if you just aren't a good negotiator, then don't take us on. Like you just, that's not going to be <laughs> yeah. a strong position yeah, yeah, for yeah. you, you know, go for barony or soul or something that's a little bit more independent. Um, and just yeah. hard to fight, hard to deal yeah, with, yeah, you know, yeah. 
Um, that makes sense. If you if you want to be the sneaky dude, yeah, take the Ysaro who are like the spies and do weird, you know, weird tricksy things. So they're like basically Gollum as a as an <laughs> as an inter- you know as a stellar race. Like right. And and I think if you if you want if you love the tech tree, yeah, play Jolnar. Yes, they are the best race, but like at, at a table with your friends, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Oh, okay, that's good. To, that is really good to know. It, it's not like you're taking the OP race, right? Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. Especially because like. Especially because it is a social game and there is kill the leader in effect in play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're yeah. gonna take the best race. Like maybe you're putting a target on your back. Maybe yeah. you don't want to do that. Yep. You know, so a little bit of play there. Awesome. Have you learned enough? I have learned a lot. So we what- got through like seventy five percent of my notes. Oh damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this is gonna go on for long. No, no I'm just yeah, I think yeah. we're wrapping it up. No, but like honestly, like all this conversation just made me want to play twilight Imperium. dude i want to play so bad <laughs> so it's it's a phenomenal game yeah right now like we're hopefully at the tail end of this whole pandemic thing. i know right so maybe we can get some people around the table and play again I know. because i it's not a game that i necessarily really want to play online like over right. tts or something because yeah. the automation i've done it the automation is nice but if you if you if the game is not natural to you it's it's hard it's also, hard to play also it's, i feel like it's hard to really play like a political strategy yeah. over for sure virtual for sure so i i i just really have enjoyed this conversation right like it's it's kind of opened my eyes and like i i, I have new paths and new avenues that i want Good. to try through my next play yeah and so i'm hoping that that's going to be something that we can try soon yeah i would um, love that but 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 yeah. So uh, any closing remarks before we finish this guy up? No, I mean I would say closing remark is that it's like I have I'm so thankful that I got the opportunity to talk through this game. Like I feel like we've been <laughs> yeah. kind of like saving it. Like hey, when are we gonna just try and appear? Yeah, <laughs> for like a year. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this has always been like the goal for me to like okay, let's dig into this. Right. Like I said, there is more content, but I think that's okay you know we have i would rather probably at this point now we can do other games you know yeah and i was like okay i've checked the box <laughs> i've done I it. talked yeah. about twilight imperium um and it was an absolute blast for me so i th- i'm really glad thanks so, for letting me do this <laughs> yeah, no, out on this no, game. thank you for doing this it, it like it really opened my eyes to like the strategy for sure and and all of that so uh we're, we're gonna have show notes yes so big we, oh yeah we we'll covered a notes. significant <laughs> amount of content in this episode yeah right and so if you want kind of like a a refresher you can listen to the episode again or you can go on to our website which is fantasyandsomeflights.com mm-hmm. and find the show notes yep. and that's going to kind of outline a lot of the talking points and everything dalton's going to do a great job with those show notes so appreciate that yeah <laughs> you always do um other than that we we can be reached on a lot of social media platforms. The, yep. the main ones being Instagram and discord. Yep. So if you want to talk to us about uh, twilight Imperium strategy, if you're really excited to play, if you want to play, yeah. join our discord, we can set a game up. Oh, we have plenty of people to set up t- uh, a twilight <laughs> yeah. Imperium game up on like Nelson won't play, which is totally fine. <laughs> um, but yes, there are several, I mean, we could get a six player game together on, twi- on, uh, yeah, on tabletop simulator pretty easily so. yeah so th- there's a lot of avenues forward mm-hmm. um but yeah so reach out to us where uh you can find our discord on our website so yep. when you're looking at the show notes it's gonna be in the top right corner go ahead and just click on that discord symbol and you yep. can join uh instagram we are fantasy and some flights you can reach out to us on twitter uh mm-hmm. at we're at and some flights mm-hmm. and character limits man yeah character limits one short one short <laughs> is it really i don't think i yeah. remembered that uh, we can do fantasy and some flight that, that, that <laughs> Just one that's flight like, yeah, one flight uh which is not the case obviously um <laughs> be true to ourselves yeah 
Um, there's a lot of ways to reach out to us. We love talking with you guys. So please reach out. Talk to us about Twilight Imperium. Yep. Uh, go play some games when it's safe. I, I don't want you to, <laughs> to, yeah. to do it if you're uncomfortable or anything. But go play some games with the knowledge that you've learned today and let us know uh how how it helped you like because i i love hearing the success stories i love hearing stories from you all and so let us know how dalton helped you win that game and please contact us for a refund if uh if you did not win the game so (laughs) that's right that's right we will direct you to talk shit about your friends yes yeah we'll we'll give you their contact information so um it was it was great talking with you i really enjoyed i really really enjoyed this episode just because i had no idea and i feel like i understand this game a lot more now awesome I'm so, so glad to hear that. I really appreciate it. Cheers, dude. Yeah, four cheers. Four cheers. 